0: Hey, everyone. I'm going to do this real quick before we get into this episode. First thing I'm going to say, our sponsor, Black Crown Car. You've heard me talk about them. Hear me talk about them again. If you need a ride in the Seattle area, Black Crown Car is the way to go. Rides to the airport, rides to work. If you just need something quick or if you want to plan something in advance, these are the guys to go with. Professional drivers. Awesome company. Go to blackcrowncar.com. Download the app. You'll be set to go. Use these guys. They're awesome. I've said it before. I worked for this company they are great. Okay, moving along quickly. Last episode, Aaron Edge. You heard the story about how he broke his back. You heard about how I put out limited edition copies of the Edge of Quarrel DVD that I released. It's the 2015 limited edition cripple copy. I made 43 copies. I've sold some. The money's going to Aaron. I still have some left. I realize 30 bucks is pretty steep for a DVD, but this is this is all going to Aaron. This is a good cause. You get something kind of funny. So if you go to nobodysknows.com, And you look in the store or you look on the page that I put up for the cripple copy DVD, if it's still on there, that means it's still available. So buy a copy while you got a chance. And uh, I'm just going to go right into the episode now. Thanks. Here we go. Here we are again for another episode of I've Known You Too Long. I uh, I went on the road. I got some uh, some episodes on the road. I figured out how to take my gear with me and set up in some odd locations and got some people who it was just not as easy to get them into my house. And so I was able to get uh, Aaron Edge. And today I have someone who I have known for a lot longer than a lot of people that I've had on the show. This person was in a band in Bellingham called First Step. Now, a lot of you have heard of a band called The First Step. This is not that band. This is a band that I knew as First Step when I was a teenager. They were some of the first straight edge guys that I knew. Guys that went straight edge around the same time as I did in Bellingham. Skater dudes that I grew up with and gone to school with. And this guy went on to be in a number of bands, some with me. And a band called Hutch that I released on my record label. It's Brett Van Horn from Portland. Hello, Brett. How's it going? It's going all right. I want to just, the reason why in that intro I was telling people about coming out on the road and bringing my gear out is because I want to explain to people that for all intents and purposes, we're recording on like a roadside lemonade stand right now. We are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's we've made everything Mm -hmm. as quiet as we can, but the simple fact is you're going to hear cars going by. That's just what we got.
1: I live out in the country in Camas, Washington. A lot of rednecks come around this uh, 20 mile per hour corner and then gun it. (laughs) <laughs> and uh so we're gonna have to suffer through that yeah there's
0: also um an airport that only small w- prop planes land yeah. on and yeah. so we've heard
1: some of those neighbors barking yappy dog and uh, that's what took yeah. us
0: out of the quieter room yes so, so um we're yeah. this is gonna be good though it's gonna work i think this is just part of the part, part like, of the fun of a new experience it's like he
1: hop in here right now so yeah
0: <laughs> okay so brett i've known you too long
1: this is true <laughs> I'm probably one of the few people who's seen you drunk. See you jumped right to one of the things (laughs) I was going to bring up of all the people
0: that are going to be on this podcast. You are one of the only people that will have seen me inebriated. This is true. And that's a fun story. We're going to tell that one in a little bit. Got it. Um, But yeah, that's how far back it goes. Um, It goes back to, as far as I know, it goes back to junior high. Yeah. So it's not with you. Normally I say, I've known you so long. I can't remember when we met. I don't know that we met. So much as just we're in the same place for a long time and then knew who each other were because we were probably in P.E. class together or something.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that today, too. It's like I don't remember really hanging out with you until high school. and That's true. Yeah. For the most part, mm-hmm. it it gets it does
0: get. Kind of strange in junior high, because I have so, uh, at least one real specific memory of you from junior yeah. high. So you're starting to laugh because you know you're going to be real embarrassed <laughs> yeah. about some of the stuff I'm going to talk yeah. about. Yeah,
1: I know this is going to be shameful, but, you know, I'm, I'm prepared. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so by high school, though, we became tight friends. Yeah. So that was, um, but the actual meeting, the you know my name, I know your name, it's probably seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when, when did you come to, to Shuckson Middle School, the middle school that I went to? It was seventh grade. Seventh yeah, grade. So you didn't yeah. start in six with the rest of us. No, I
1: um so real quick, I grew up in Portland and my mom and I moved up to Bellingham fifth grade. I went to okay. uh Silver Beach for fifth grade.
0: Oh wait. Yeah. Oh no no
1: wait, hold on. That
0: mm-hmm. I know when we met. No. Nah. Did you know Randy at Silver Beach? Randy re- Randy I don't remember Clark. Randy. So well, we're all in the same grade. I mean, I know Randy,
1: but I don't remember him. So Randy Clark,
0: Randy Clark is a guy that I opened up the skateboard shop with mm-hmm. um, aggression skates. I had a skateboard shop when I was in high school and Randy's my close friend. And actually there was, okay, so forget the junior high thing. I want to know if you have any memory of this. Do you remember the fifth grade track meet at civic field? No, I don't. You didn't go to that? Probably not. All no. the fifth graders got loaded up on buses. Uh-huh. We went to Civic Field and there was, okay, so there was this stupid, like, confrontation of some sort in the bleachers between all the boys in my class and all the boys that were there from Silver Beach in the fifth grade class. huh this none of this rings a bell because I must not r- have been there because yeah. Randy remembers it. He mm-hmm. was on the other side. Yeah. Someone got pushed and like it was like thought of as being this like epic rumble. Mm-hmm. And we had like huge problems with each other. <laughs> and then we had a hated school and all this. Someone got pushed and like fell over a seat. Mm-hmm. That's it. But it was a fight, right? right. Um, you could have been you could have been one of those guys though. I probably knowing me, I was
1: super shy. I probably would, would have been, I like, kinda, hiding away in the I, corner.
0: Yeah. Okay, but knowing that we're the same age, you yeah. did go to fifth grade at Silver Beach. Yep. My fifth grade class had beef with the Silver Beach fifth grade class <laughs> because of some, some real shit you guys pulled. Um, <laughs> I, at the fifth grade track meet, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'd like to think that we were on opposing sides of, like, you know, we were, we were enemies first.
1: We, we can roll with that fantasy. It goes to. well. It,
0: yeah. it, it goes with some of the things that come out in some of these podcasts mm-hmm. that a lot of times people start off as enemies and then become tight friends. Got so um, yeah. here's the thing, though. Like, even if you weren't one of the like three or four guys that were like talking <laughs> fifth grader trash to each yeah. other with a bunch of other toadies standing behind him with their arms crossed. Uh-huh. Even if you weren't one of those guys, though, you were honor bound to, to back up your class oh, yeah, against, yeah. against Alderwood. I mean, you guys must've talked shit on Alderwood, Alderwood elementary. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's awesome. I didn't know uh-huh. that you were silver beach. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. There's an airplane. right there. There's a plane we're talking about. <laughs> None of this stuff is going to be able to get cut. I don't think I'm good enough with this editing software to get rid of it. So it's just yeah. going to be fun for people to hear, you know, what's going mm-hmm. on in the background here in uh, the wilds of Camas, Washington. <laughs> Just keeps getting better too I think he's a stunt plan <laughs> He's skywriting a, uh, a will you marry me message yes.
1: <laughs> Holy crap that's going on forever
0: It's okay we're going yep. It's just <laughs> This is going to be some world according to Garp shit He's going to hit your house
1: I think he's gone <laughs> <laughs> I think he's gone Okay
0: Um, okay, Brett. Yes. So the general way we do this podcast, and I know you've listened to a couple of the episodes, we figure out when we met or close enough, we go back and figure out who the hell you are. And then we come forward and we talk about everything since, and you and I will have a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. So you grew up in Portland?
1: Yeah. Yeah. In Beaverton, actually. In Beaverton. Yeah.
0: Okay. Which is for anybody that doesn't live in Portland, that's just like part of Portland. It's a suburb.
1: Yeah. Right now it's uh, suburban hell. Now uh, back then it was more that was where you you would go if you had a family. You would move out to Beaverton basically. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yep. What was uh what was young Brett like?
1: <laughs> uh young Brett was pretty shy, uh pretty imaginative. Played a lot of uh Steve Austin doll games and uh, Star Warsy stuff and uh, Steve
0: Austin doll games and Star Warsy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that so I mean, we're the same age, so Star yeah. Wars figures were were I mean commonplace pretty much everybody yeah, had those yeah. uh Steve Austin though that was some pretty cool stuff
1: I had the Steve Austin like uh you know moon lander set you know moon like space capsule set. the capsule and yeah. was
0: did the capsule have stuff to like plug into his arms and stuff like little yeah, tubes yeah Bill yeah. had that too
1: and I I decided one day I was gonna figure out how his bionic arm worked and I tore him apart with a chopping mall and I uh, realized I couldn't put him back together so it's kind of bummed. Well, that's but. a that's a good yeah. lesson for a yeah. young man though. Uh-huh. If
0: you use a mall to chop your toys in half, <laughs> yes. they don't go back together. No. no. <laughs> um I had uh, Oscar Goldman with the exploding briefcase.
1: Oscar, Oscar Goldman, yes.
0: But I didn't have any other mm-hmm. 6 million dollar man toys or any other toys that size. So it was like the loneliest dude <laughs> who couldn't get anyone to open his exploding briefcase. And I had a, an action figure that it was just a, a guy in a suit.
1: It's like the least exciting character in, in the Bionic Man, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it was really cool that he had like the exploding briefcase. That That is pretty cool. I don't know if in the show he ever had an exploding briefcase, though. I don't remember. I will also say Micronauts. Thank you. Which is like my all time favorite toy. My all time favorite toy. Yeah. And I can't believe that they never came back in any real capacity. Nineteen no, no. seventies Micronauts were like it was like seventy six through eighty one or something. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. actually a website devoted to it and you can see every set that was released on there. I remember
1: looking at that several years ago. Yeah.
0: So awesome. People yeah. probably don't care or know what we're talking about, but I loved Micronauts. Best
1: toys ever. Well, Legos are up there, but yeah. What was the yeah. best
0: Micronaut toy you got?
1: I'm trying to remember. I, I know I had several of the little clear guys with the chess piece that came off. Um, I had like the uh, Trojan, like the horse, the, the Minotaur guy yeah, with yeah, the yeah. magnetic legs that came off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know there was one other I had that kind of looked like a Shogun Warrior. Okay. I don't, I don't remember the any Shogun of Warriors names. are another thing yeah, that people aren't Yeah, It's another awesome. Very yeah. good robot yeah. toys.
0: This is a way nerdier than I thought you were going to be right <laughs> off the bat. Uh, I had a Hornetroid. That was my big score.
1: Hornetroid.
0: Which was a big mm-hmm. black dragonfly spaceship with clear purple wings and guns all over it. It was awesome. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's uh, a. And, and I wish I still had it. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while I try to find one on eBay and mm-hmm. they're way out of my price range these days. Yeah. <laughs> I do, however, have. A couple I think I can put my hands on a couple of micronauts that I still have in a box somewhere under the house. So if so, I'll take a picture and people can see what we're talking about. I you definitely should. have yeah. one of the clear guys with the chess pieces that come off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um all right. Micronauts. So yeah. you were playing like with these things by yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean I had I had neighborhood friends. So here's here's an interesting story. I don't know if you know this. I might have told you this at one point. Eric Kinder was my next door neighbor as a child. His older brother Kelly was one one of my best friends. And um, no,
0: I did okay. Yeah, so So Eric, Eric and I
1: realized this when they when um he was in ten oh seven and they played at the powerhouse with Hutch. And I was outside looking, I'm like, God, that guy he looks so familiar. And it just clicked and I went up to him and talked to him. We were like, No way. Yeah, so his older brother Kelly, who who died in a car accident many years ago, he was when we moved into our house on Lynn Ridge in, in Beaverton. I was in the backyard and I look up and there's this kid on top of the shed and he's got like this big chain of keys and a a Levi jacket, or actually vest. Uh, And he's like standing there looking all tough like he wanted to beat me up. And that was his brother, Kelly. And we became friends. Wait, wait, wait. He
0: had had a, a sleeveless jean jacket and a bunch of keys? Yeah. Was he being Snyder for Halloween?
1: No, I think he was just trying to be a tough guy.
0: And, and that's, what a t- that's what a tough guy looked like yeah. because of uh, that, that television yeah. show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was yeah. that television show with Schneider, the, oh. the super? Yeah, it
1: wasn't Welcome Back, Cotter. It was uh, I don't remember, but yeah, I it had Valerie Roda or something like no, that. No, no, no,
0: no, not not Rhoda. <laughs> Come on, it was. <laughs> I actually said this to someone the other day, so I have known it recently. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll have to put it in the corrections section, but um, yeah, um, it was Valerie Bertinelli's yeah, sitcom, I know though that show, yeah. Um, okay, so that's amazing. Eric Kinder is is the drummer for Ten O Seven. We had Matt Matsuoka a couple episodes back. Um, Kinder hasn't been on the show. Kinder's down in California. Eventually, of course, though, I've got a list with Kinder's name on it. I want him on this show. Yeah. I had no idea there was a connection, but I keep finding connections between different people yeah. through this podcast that I didn't know existed, which I, I
1: really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you hung out with his older brother cause Kinder's a couple years yeah. younger than you. Yeah. He was like the annoying little brother back then, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, Kelly and I had this sort of like, like we would get into fights and stuff over stupid things. And, uh, well we're, that's good it's yeah. good to have a neighbor like that yeah. though. You
0: gotta get you gotta scrap a
1: little bit. Well and his older brother Tim, who went on to become a Portland wrestler, he was caveman kinder, he he was like the older brother who menaced us quite a bit. And uh remember Kelly and I were in a fight in their front yard one time, and Tim comes out, he's all hit him in the nose, Brett, hit him in the nose. He was like rooting for me, telling me how to beat <laughs> up to Kelly. That was just good. great older brother. They were kind of a you know, the blue collar family. Their dad was like a really gruff uh he was a steel worker, I believe, a welder and, uh, you know, wow. but their, their mom was awesome and yeah, they were good friends.
0: So. Okay. So did that mm-hmm. pull you out of your shell a little bit? Having a neighborhood kid that wanted to punch you in the face? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So there was him I had a friend named Andy who was like really smart. And, uh, and that, those were my main friends growing up.
0: You wrote a story for me for excursion zine one time about a grade school kid. I think
1: that was probably my friend, Steve. And so when I lived in Maple Valley for a year during the sixth grade, um, Steve was a guy that I went to school with there.
0: Is that Maple Valley? Okay. So that's between Kent and
1: East Seattle, I think. So, um, yeah. And Steve, actually Steve and I are friends. Like we, we keep in touch on Facebook and stuff and he's, he's a really good guy, but he had a really tough period in his life back then.
0: And it made an impression on you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it did. He, he was kind of egged on by some other kids and he, um, he set somebody's garage on fire and like he kid. went to juvenile and you know, he's told me Wait, since he, then, so he
0: was a, he was a firebug that went to Juvie.
1: Yeah. And he, he got, he, he told me some stories about Juvie that were pretty harrowing, like him being hog tied and stuff oh like that. God. You know, just like he, he was through the ringer and now he's, you know, he's doing really well. He's got a couple kids and good job and he's cycling a lot and he's, nice. he's a really good guy. People survive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So, when did you start um paying attention to music? now music's played a big part in your life, oh yeah, so were you yeah. listening to music in grade school?
1: yeah my um my bigger sister she's uh, about ten years older than me, and I remember second or third grade she exposed me to the who and oh okay, kids are all right. she had that album, and um I was just like just bombastic, it's crazy drummer ten years older, so she's a total seventies chick, oh yeah, yeah all right okay yeah, yeah. You, she you... she knitted a pillow of a crimson king crimson album cover <laughs> needlepoint <laughs> okay nice she played the flute um my sister's awesome she and i were always really close um so yeah uh, she exposed me to the who and it was just like to me it was just amazing like it's a bombastic crazy drummer they're smashing their instruments i just loved it and that's what got me into rock and my friend kelly and i who i mentioned we decided we were going to try and start a band we had our little tape recorder and we brought it in the garage and- how old were you Oh, second or third grade. You were gonna do a band. We were we wanted to. We had no idea what to do, so we did just you have kind of instruments? No. <laughs> That's the thing. We oh. just kinda of, we had a tape oh. recorder and we were like, let's let's be a band and we didn't know what we were doing, so we never actually pulled anything off. But
0: But did you like get like Tennis rackets for guitars
1: or something. I, you know, it's a really hazy memory. Like, all I remember, we were in my garage with this little portable tape recorder. <laughs> that, was, that, we, that was the band. We were going to start a band. Damn, we didn't know dude, what we were should, doing.
0: Because you, you could have been like the next boy band if, you know, you just harmonized. <laughs> That's right. Done some or, or done rap, which would have worked for you later on. I yeah.
1: Think. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, from there, it was just, you know, I got, had my little tape recorder. And so I think my first cassette was like Pablo Cruz or something like that. My okay. sister gave me. And then Super Tramp and yeah. all these awful 70s bands that I listened to. And, and Kelly's older brother was into Kiss, so we would sneak in and listen to his Kiss records. And uh, well,
0: and Okay, so I've talked about this on here before. Mm-hmm. Kiss is, is, is one of those bands where you had to accept weird to accept them. Absolutely, yeah. That was outside of the norm. Mm-hmm. They were monster guys with makeup and weird. You know what I mean? Even though they were still playing just whatever kind of music that maybe was more, you know, wasn't totally, it wasn't like it was, they were playing punk or anything. There's playing rock. Right. But you know, I feel like kiss made people ready for weirder looking things.
1: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. They've kind of brought that whole glam mentality to the mainstream. And I remember actually in elementary school, um, some older kids at the talent show did an air band of kiss and they had the makeup and they spit like jello out like fake blood, like oh, Gene nice. Simmons. and oh, that's awesome. It was kind of like the most racy thing we had ever seen in elementary school up to that point. <laughs> oh so, yeah. 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 Um,
0: at which point does um, music transition from like rock stuff that you can get easily to punk rock music?
1: So like in terms of when I, yeah, but does that yeah.
0: happen? I mean, d- does it, does music stay pretty mainstream for you all through grade school and into junior high?
1: I would say so. Yeah. I remember, you know, it's funny So my son is going to be 14 in a week and a half. And I'm kind of realizing, you know, he's we're driving around and he's making me listen to just horrible top 40 music like Uptown Funk and stuff that I just cringe at. And like, why does my son have such horrible taste in music? Then I think back and like when I was his age, I had horrible taste in music. You know, I was like, I was listening to Z one hundred or whatever it was, Rick D's. You know, whatever was on the radio. Hey man, that stuff and, was good. Well, you know, <laughs> by my parents' standards back then, it probably wasn't. <laughs> and, uh, granted, my parents weren't punk rockers, but um, so we uh, going back to where my musical taste was, I you know I was listening to a lot of mainstream radio, but in the sixth grade, I discovered metal, and I was listening to like Ozzy Osbourne and Judas priest and scorpions and All stuff right, like well, that. All right, well, important question then. Mm-hmm. You've got a sister who's a
0: 70s rocker. Mm-hmm. So you don't have anybody in the house that's going to expose you to new wave music. No. So you hit metal metal takes you into punk.
1: Cuz it seems no. like there's two no. no. Actually, no. so I went I was into metal, but 7th grade breakdancing happened. <sighs> and then hip hop hit and then seventh, grade,
0: seventh grade, seventh grade breakdancing happens, and you become really apparent to everybody <laughs> in the school. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Hold on, um, we're we're. Gonna, I don't want to jump ahead too far. Oh, we're getting yeah. into that. So okay, so okay, so it it seems like when i because every most everybody I have on here we have we mm-hmm. share punk rock in common,
2: yeah,
0: um, and often skateboarding, and mm-hmm. it seems like people got to punk rock through listening to. New wave music, that new romantic stuff, mm-hmm. you know that whatever, um, you hear a lot of Violent Femmes, Depeche mm-hmm. Mode, The Cure, or you hear metal. ever you know, Judas mm-hmm. Priest. I was listening to Iron Maiden, and then no matter what, everybody goes and then Dri, and mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, and then punk happens. That's not
1: that's not how that's that not how happened for, me, for you. No. So that's good.
0: Yeah. But um, but though, as a child, you did like metal. I did, yeah. Okay,
1: and actually, fifth grade, you know, uh... that puts you in a camp. Fifth grade was like Joan Jett and Rolling Stones and Jake Isles band. So, yeah, that was know? some good. You know what? Yeah. That wasn't
0: bad. We were both. I was listening yeah. to the same radio station as you were. Yeah, man. that yeah. stuff was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Jake Isles that was kind of killer. Yeah, yeah. And then you Angel didn't know. Centerfold, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you didn't. You weren't sure what to think of Duran Duran.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is that right? I don't even remember listening to them at that age. I, you know, not until like high school. I don't really remember much about Duran Duran. But yeah. <laughs> they were a real junior high thing. Yeah.
0: But yeah. it felt like they came... For me, it just feels like they came right after Jay Giles Band mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. So <laughs> um, these are most of the questions. I mean, you actually... You went right into fighting on your own. You fought the neighborhood kid. Did you ever get in... Did you get in fights with kids at school?
1: No, I, I'm actually not much of a fighter. I haven't been in a fight since I was like in... I don't know, unless you count like dish bags and mosh pits or something like that, you know, getting mad because you're it, pushing away. But, it depends yeah. Yeah. on how far it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of like fighting, I, it, I didn't really get into any fights after like fifth grade. In fifth grade, it was mostly I, my friend. uh You probably know Eric Slavinsky. Yeah. Yeah. So he and I were good friends in, at Silver Beach in fifth grade. And he used to get picked on a lot, and so me being the new guy, I tried to stand up for him a couple of times with a couple of guys, and like Ryan Craig, and we're just gonna name names. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's just call them all out. Dudes yeah. that we went to school <laughs> with. So we have to. I thought I was like the hero, you know, and and <laughs> you know, and, and then that I, I was still in the fifth grade when we moved away. I was actually kind of like looking forward to it, and I was still kind of you know outgoing, somewhat outgoing. Mm-hmm. Sixth grade was really hard for me to move again. Right. And so then that's when I kind of retreated more into my shell, you
0: know? And that, that lasted like one year.
1: Yeah. After, I think, um, after breakdancing hit, that kind of brought me out. We're not, Oh, Oh, after, after it hit. Yeah. Okay. So
0: let's set the stage. Mm I am a weird kid in the seventh grade. Not sure what the hell is going on with my life. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling. I'm getting a little bit of okay at it, but I'm not Mm -hmm. great. You know, I, I'm hanging out with Randy Mm-hmm. We got a couple of you know Bill Baker's at school. He's one year ahead of us. Uh, I don't know if you remember Bill at Chuckson.
1: Oh no, he might have moved. I don't. Yeah, I, ne- I never met Bill until high school. So yeah,
0: that's okay. So but <laughs> you you came in and Bill left. Mm-hmm. That's it. okay. Seventh grade. Bill had Bill had moved away. So okay. Um. So things are kind of weird. Seventh grade happens, and break dancing is suddenly a thing, and there's some dudes that are into breakdancing the school and are wearing kind of flashy clothes. Is it seventh grade when breakdancing happened or is it eighth grade? It was
1: like end of seventh grade.
0: End of seventh grade. So who did you meet when you came to, when you
1: first came to, to Shuckson? You know, the thing is when I first came to Shuckson, I don't remember really having any close friends until the breakdancing stuff happened. You know, I was kind of like on the fringe, quiet. And
0: so you show up in a weird red shirt with black mesh on it or
1: something. <laughs> no. You, so, Do you want to know the, 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 how the breakdancing, I want to know me? how the breakdancing happened
0: because all so, of a sudden you were like a cool dude that everybody liked.
1: So this was, this was what, this is just crazy. It's weird. So I, I remember it was like the last class of the day and we were kind of, I don't even remember what the class was. It might've been science or history or something like that. And we were all, we, we were kind of having like free time. And so we were just kind of hanging out and I think, I think somebody might've put on some like hip hop or something like that. Somehow I inherently knew how to do the worm. (laughs) I don't know how I hadn't practiced it before. Hadn't attempted it before, but I was just like,
0: also the only move I could do. I was like,
1: I think I can do this and I'm going to try it now in front of all these people. And I was like the shy kid that the girls would intentionally embarrass. So I would blush. Yeah. They would, they would like say things to make me blush because they thought it was funny. And, for some reason I just decided I was going to try it. And I did. And I have to say, I probably kicked ass at it. Cause <laughs> that from that point on, it was like Matt Glinovich and, you know, Ryan and and the rest of those guys, they were just like, Hey, let's start a breaking crew. So these were like, the cool, these were
0: the cool kids. And yeah, they were definitely yeah. the break dancers. Yeah. And I remember, okay. So I remember sitting in the cafeteria, mm-hmm. um, probably with Randy and, and a couple other dudes and you guys were the next table over. Like, mm-hmm. but like, Right Like if I turned around I'm looking at you guys And you're sitting at the other table And they were They
1: were calling you Ground control <laughs> Was
0: that, Does that sound, Or was that or Was that Glen
1: of it Somebody who was Ground control That was probably him Like my My name was Sketch I think Sketch At least that was My graffiti name That was my tag name Somebody
0: Somebody oh, You got a tag name at I the don't same remember time. What my
1: breaking name was Actually <laughs> Are you sure I didn't just? No, you would have remembered. Glenovich would probably remember because I think he named me.
0: (laughs) You know, Matt Glenovich. I expect you're listening to this, and if you would please send in an email giving me any details on the breaking crew and the names. (laughs) But what made me laugh was that they they said they were hooking, they were trying to hook you and a girl up, who you were sitting next to at the table, and saying that she was going to be your fly girl.
1: No, it was, was it Angie
0: it, Martin. Yes, it was. Sir. Yeah, she was
1: my first girlfriend. I was yeah. about to say yeah. the name, but yeah. I
0: didn't want to say it if you didn't want to. <laughs> um And I remember thinking, this is hilarious. That guy is cool. Like, I definitely thought, like, I decided Brett's cool, like, right there. Like, he's, he, and, but the thing is, I also thought, like, you weren't, a, this is important. Yeah. I thought you weren't a dick. Oh, like a lot of dudes were cool, but they, some of them were also kind of dicks because Mm -hmm. we were in junior high. So many dicks. There's no, even people that later became people that you would genuinely adore as a human being. Eh, Junior high is not a good time. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But it never changed. Nothing Mm -hmm. in that you ever did changed my opinion from that day in the cafeteria that mm-hmm. you were a cool dude. Like I de- like, and, and later when we both were into skateboarding and then we were mm-hmm. both getting into puck rock and we're both getting all these things, it was always like, of course, Brett, of course, Brett. <laughs> and then I was always surprised. You know, there was a couple a little bit later. I was like, wow, Brett's become like a tight part of my, you know, a uh-huh. crew of people that are important. Yeah. Um, so how far did you guys go with breakdancing?
1: break dancing? <laughs> you know, pretty far actually. So, um, there were these guys that taught breakdancing classes at the dance place down on, I don't even remember the street, but it's by the fire department where the museum is now and stuff. Michael and Randy Vandiola. And awesome guys. They were older. They um, they had their own breaking crew, and I can't remember their name. Systematic Breakers, maybe? Oh, that sounds yeah. right. And they had a, there was a woman that was with them, and I can't remember her name, Nicole or something, and maybe a couple other people. Well, they kind of took us under their wings, and we were like their... They're, we were the Electrowave Breakers. That was our name. The Electrowave Breakers. The Electrowave Breakers. Yes. And they, they were systematic. And we would hang out together and they would teach us things. We'd get to use their dance studio. And we actually, they took us down to Everett to um, Buzzies on Broadway one night to to hang out. And it's like an all ages dance club. And we got into a break battle with some other guys. <laughs> totally disgraced my crew and myself when I did a backspin and I meant to pop up like facing the, the other breakers, yeah. you know, kind of to show them, like, you know, yep. I, I was facing the other way and everybody laughed at me. It was, oh, it was disgraceful. And, wait, that yeah. whole, let's talk
0: about that. <laughs> so it was just a timing issue.
1: It was, yeah. It just popped up at the wrong time. You couldn't play it off like it was way. just disrespect huh? Yeah, yeah. It was just like, <laughs> and, and even the guys that we were with, they're just like, oh man, <laughs> wincing.
2: Oh
0: my God, that but is wonderful.
1: Outside of that, we did a big show at Western one time.
0: On the on a big stage, there was also the something Hall. downtown on Cornwall, one of the clothing mm-hmm. stores, and I saw that. One.
1: I vaguely remember that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we did we did quite a bit, you know, for Bellingham. <laughs> it was yeah. fun, and we we were really there's into graffiti like, art. There's
0: like sixty five thousand people in the town at the time. I know yeah. it was very small.
1: We were also very into graffiti art, and so we go tagging all over. We would do we didn't we couldn't get spray paint, so we would get markers. We get tons of like colored markers, and I remember we do like big burners on the back of the um the bu- the building over on Meridian <sighs> what was there it's across from where Bella's Fair ended up being and there were there was like a strip mall there and it, did it become Costcutter's maybe did it become Costcutter Toys it was the building right in front of Costcutter Toys cuz my mom worked at Costcutter she was a bookkeeper and so I would be hanging out there your mom worked at
0: Costcutter Toys yeah she was a the bookkeeper there so you so she got the job bills mom was supposed to get
1: oh, <laughs> really <laughs> <laughs> in, in the though no, in the
0: bill <laughs> in the bill baker episode I remember, yeah talk I remember about the about epic that. lie yeah. that bill's mom was gonna get hired at cost Cutter toys because <laughs> we just knew this toy store was gonna open uh-huh. so okay did you get did you get free toys
1: no no i think my mom might have gotten a discount but i remember going there and i'd be like my mom would say you can pick something out for this much i would spend so much time trying to decide what i wanted and oh, then yeah. i would always have buyer's remorse no matter what i got but Yeah. So anyways, the police were investigating this graffiti (laughs) ring in town (laughs) and we remember seeing some pictures that they had taken and they were asking around we're like, "Mm," and we never got caught, but yeah, that was our, our brush with crime in Bellingham. That's a refrigerator.
0: New noises people. (laughs) Um, yeah, this better be interesting enough for people to listen (laughs) to these noises. Um, okay. So that's, I didn't know that you guys actually were doing that, but that's, I wasn't connected to you guys at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, but at that point, I was def- if that's eighth eighth grade, right?
1: Yeah, that would be eighth grade.
0: So I'm hanging out with Sean Day. We're tr- I'm, I got a jean jacket. I was trying to be a bad boy, did not work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but you know, things were things were changing a little bit, and I wanted a skateboard so bad. Yeah, but it couldn't. I could. I wanted a BMX bike. I wanted a skateboard. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford any of this crap. So I always just have these cheap alternatives, and it wasn't working. It just wouldn't work. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else? important that you want to mention, uh, for any of your time up till we show up at Bellingham high school in the ninth grade?
1: No, I think, I think this is, that kind of sums it up. Like we were heavy into breakdancing and the summer before high school, um, I stayed with my dad down in Portland that summer. And I don't remember how, I think one of my friends i talked to and they're like, I got a skateboard. So my dad took me down to Mrs. A's skate shop And I got my first skateboard, which was a gator.
0: Wait, and this was what what year? Summer before high school. Summer before high school. You came in skating.
1: Sort Well, I'm trying to remember now. Was it then or was it the summer after freshman year?
0: Hold on a second. So you said that you thought you got the gator summer before ninth
1: grade. I think so. Because I remember I was staying with my dad. He lived in this little house on a farm. And I remember Angie Angie Martin, who was my girlfriend. Mm Mm-hmm um, called me up and broke up with me or we were talking on the phone. She oh, broke up she with needs me. to go into high school yeah, unencumbered. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's no, true. She yeah, did. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody did. So I had no hard feelings there, but, uh, <laughs> hey, it's, uh she know, was a nice girl. She was, yeah. is I'm sure. Yeah. And, uh, she's, I see her on Facebook. So exactly. Um, everyone we've on, talked about yeah. is on
0: Facebook Except, yeah, and, <laughs> and a couple of them might even hear this. So let's make sure we say some nice things. <laughs> about that's right. Them.
1: Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Uh, Dad took me down. I got my gator skateboard. Had at Mrs. A's? Every, yeah, that was like the cool Where skate Where was shop. it? It was on, um, I think, either Hawthorne or Powell in Portland. In Portland, okay. It's like a pizza shop now or something. Right. Um, and I had everything on there. I had the lapper. Uh-huh. I had the, uh, the... I
0: just wrote a story about all that crap we yeah, used to have on our boards. Yeah,
1: it was like fully outfitted. And <laughs> I had nowhere to skate at my dad's because there was just like gravel and grass, but I had my skateboard. And... uh the, the thing that's confusing me is I remember, I don't I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I remember starting high school and we were still kind of break dancing.
0: Okay, so here's the way I see our, us mm-hmm. coming into high school. So I come into high school and the first day I meet up with Randy, mm-hmm. meet up with Sean, Kelly Lambert, like a few mm-hmm. other people, and John Dodd, who I knew from church stuff, but had never gone to school with, uh-huh. comes up and is like, what's up dudes? And I remember a couple of those guys were like, we don't know this guy who the hell is he? Right. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. oh, he's cool. He's cool. John's cool. So I was like, Oh, this is, I'm getting a crew together here. This is like <laughs> dudes that I like, this is better than I hoped. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some guys to hang out with and that's important because John, I feel drags us all kind of into punk rock stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well like me and those guys, you know, yeah. and then I don't know who it was that really started getting everybody kind of stoked on skateboarding, but in the time from, so I thought I was going to play football and wrestle mm-hmm. in the ninth grade. I did turn out for football practice. Sean and I did. I would go, I mean, I'm this little idiot that can't, but I figured I'd make something work or I'd have a growth spurt or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I kept thinking like, yeah, but this is a, this is at least a way to do a sport and I'll be ready for wrestling, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got completely Fucked with by the wrestlers
2: because
0: they knew me because they knew I had wrestled before. Yeah. And I was just heartbroken, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, no. You guys are supposed to be cool. And, th- but there was this thing that was starting to happen where my friends were starting to be very uncool to people that played sports. Yeah. And it was like, oh, no. It's, it's not like the John Hughes films. It's not rich kids versus poor kids. It's fucking jocks versus. Anybody yeah. that's yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. So one day, you remember the restaurant that we all used to walk up to, like three blocks up from, the, from yeah. Bellingham House? The High drive School? in there? The drive in. And we weren't allowed to go when we were freshmen. Mm-hmm. We weren't supposed to leave campus and we went every day. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we would go up there. And one day, Sean and I were sitting at a table and there were some other people. You might have been in there and some people from Seahome
1: showed up. Do you remember Uh, this? No, I don't. Does it sound familiar? I heard they ever actually ate at that restaurant. I would go to the store next to it.
0: Yeah. Oh, we, you and and I went there a lot. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Later on. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, so we're sitting in there and we had already like, we were just kind of unhappy about football. Sean could have been very good, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and we were just feeling uncomfortable with just how people acted, you know? And there were these jocks that we were sitting in there with and, uh, these guys came in, these people came in from Seahome, whatever, for whatever reason, they'd come over to have lunch where we had lunch. They're from the Seahome, is the school on the south side of Bellingham. So apparently it's some rivalry or something. But these, all the rich kids, too. And they yeah. were richer kids. Yeah. And so these two dudes were like well dressed, like new waiver dudes with like big hair, right? Not quite flock of seagulls, but definitely like.
1: So like Jeremy Passmore and it, John it, Hour or something like that? It might have been. Yeah.
0: I didn't know those guys yet, didn't mm-hmm. know those names yet. But. So while we're sitting there, everyone's kind of laughing, you know, people are laughing and making jokes. And one of the guys at our table starts getting fries, starts putting ketchup on fries and throwing them at their table. (laughs) And he totally thwaps one of these guys with a, with a, uh, a ketchup covered French fry and gets it all over his nice, like paisley shirt or whatever the hell he's wearing. Right. Mm -hmm. And those dudes get up and leave. And then everyone's laughing like, yeah, fuck those faggots. all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so as we're walking down, like, Sean I didn't, like, say anything. We were kind of hanging our heads, you know? And mm-hmm. as we're walking down, Sean says to me, I kind of thought those guys were cool. I was like, yeah, I didn't like that at all. He's like, he said something. I'm not going to get it word for word, but he said something like, I kind of think, fuck those fucking jocks. <laughs> like, it was so, like, he was like, I'm not, he goes, I'm quitting. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not doing this. And basically, that was it. Like, i i i quit doing football he might have already Mm -hmm. been doing it i was just like you know what i'm not gonna fuck these people like if sean says it's cool you know what i agree because i didn't feel good i didn't like this messing with the people that looked weird pecking at the people you know pecking at the bird with the weird feather or whatever Mm -hmm. so um that was a very eventful walk back to the school from lunch life-changing and it was right after that that i think uh john dodd had his skateboard and he Mm -hmm. he was wearing like john was like totally becoming more of a punk he was wearing like you know uh um uh, military clothes like from the um from the surplus store Mm -hmm. like big the big big green jacket and then getting a pen and drawing a skull on the back i remember him
1: always (laughs) having the army jacket yes (laughs) everywhere
0: yeah and so he's got this skateboard and so for whatever reason everybody was like i'm gonna ask for a skateboard for christmas i'm gonna get a skateboard for christmas but we're gonna get Mm -hmm. like You're not gonna get like a Nash piece of shit, right? Yeah. We need a good skateboard. Mm -hmm. And so my birthday, usually that would be too much for me to ask for, Mm -hmm. but my birthday falls right after Christmas. So I was like, all I want combined everything from everybody is just enough money to buy a good skateboard. So I, cause all my friends are getting skateboards. That's all we're gonna do. And it was just right there. Yeah. And Season Surfer opened up. You remember I was asking the yes. name for this, and yeah. Glenevich, Matt Glenevich, who you've already mm-hmm. named, threw in the name. He, he yep. remembered the name. Yep. Um, that that Christmas, everybody had skateboards, and you—if you already had a gator from that summer—you
1: mm-hmm. weren't a skater riding that gator around. I don't think in the fall. Yeah, that's why I'm 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 not hundred percent sure when I got the skateboard. It could have been Christmas break with yeah, my but dad. I bet you, but yeah. I bet
0: you had it at your dad's, right? I bet you had it, but I, as soon as yeah. we were as soon as we were all skating, you were probably <laughs> But yeah. you know what no, Glenovich was skating before I was.
1: And I'm pretty sure it was either Glenovich or Jason Lambert who was like, Oh, breaking's dumb. We're skateboarding now. Like basically right. that's what they and, said. And I yeah. definitely
0: know that those guys were skating like and okay, here's the thing. When I go over the timeline of this, mm-hmm. starting high school to Christmas is four months yeah it was a lifetime mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like if they were skating two months before i was they were totally old school already you <laughs> yes. know and i'm sure yeah. you were skating with them right probably but yeah. all i know is that sean got a board john got a better board uh-huh. randy got a board yeah. i got a board so we were just like this is what we do now
1: and i think the skateboarding is probably what brought us together yeah. I originally think that was originally what it, because then yeah.
0: now all of a the sudden there's a bunch of
1: freaks and yes. with skateboarding comes weirder clothes mm-hmm. and punk rock. This is when skateboarding was not like it was not cool at all. Nowadays it's like it's a big multi-million-dollar industry. And back yeah. then, you got beaten up for being a skateboarder. You know,
0: and it was eighty-five, eighty-six. Yeah. So this was nineteen eighty-five, going into
2: nineteen
0: eighty-six. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sean, oh, and there was also a very eventful day where Sean and I walked. Um, From his dad's apartment to a Seven Eleven, and he had a ghetto blaster, and he had suicidal tendencies. (laughs) Self titled record Uh on cassette tape, recorded on cassette tape, Mm -hmm. and on that walk, I fell in love with suicidal tendencies. That was the first real punk rock like thing, and that was right. That might have been within a couple of weeks of the incident with the fry. Yeah. So we were just on board with punk. We were just like, fuck all this. Mm -hmm. We're gonna be these. We're gonna be these punk rockers, right? Yeah. And then kind of there you are Mm -hmm. like you're then then you're so I've already known you but then you're in there with us so tell me so I'm telling all my stories about how this comes together but it it pulls you into it Mm -hmm. so
1: how do you what can you remember from freshman year so I my my sequence of things is a little hazy so I'll do the best I can but somebody will probably call me out on it um I hope so yeah (laughs) so I remember freshman year I was still kind of in breakdancing world I remember um, I had my gotcha, my red gotcha sweatshirt and I remember walking down the hall and some jock senior guys like gotcha big boy, like kind of taunting me. And there was just like, I don't know, my my kids now, there's far less bullying than there used to be. And when right. we were growing up, that was kind of expected. It was just going to happen.
0: Oh, they, and, the, the, the school facilitated it by yeah. creating a hallway where only people that played sports had lockers, but that you it was a hallway you had to use to get from one yes. side of the school to the other. Yeah. so going you going to the
1: cafeteria, you had to walk through it. And, so you had to run yeah. the gauntlet to get through Absolutely. there and it was yeah. brutal. And I somehow I avoided confrontations with people. I've just always been good at that. <laughs> and so I would just kind of ignore people and they would leave me alone generally. But I, I remember... Um, I'm trying to remember what really fired off punk rock for me. And I know that the, the, the the key event was when Tyler Long and John Eggers and Martin McClellan had their band TFW play the talent show. And after that, I was like, I think I was already into punk rock. I think agent orange and JFA like skate rock was really what got me into it. That skateboarding brought me to skate rock, which brought me to punk rock. Yes. But when TFW played that got me and Jason Lambert wanting to start a band. And okay, that's when it all began.
0: TFW stood for?
1: Totally fucking wasted.
0: Totally, totally fucking wasted. My first show is TFW. Yep. At the, was it the Vortex at the time? Yeah. Okay, we weren't old enough to get in. We got in. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that Glanovich got on stage and sang for their cover of Walk This Way. Yep. And Brett, something very important happened at that show. Yes. First mosh pit.
1: You no, waiting? actually, my first mosh pit was, I don't know, I don't remember moshing there. My first mosh it was, pit it was, 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 was U-Men at Western Oh, with the Wipers. I didn't see that show. Yeah. That's a
0: cool show, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't know who the Wipers were back then. I kind of knew who the human were, and there was somebody else that played at, um game for Vultures, I think. Which and has oh, Mort, that? Mort was in that band, and now he's in the Mono Man. And
0: okay, yeah, well, that sounds that actually maybe yeah. I just forgot because I remember seeing Game for Vultures a bunch of times.
1: That was my first mosh pit. I remember because I felt sick to my stomach afterwards. Oh yeah, I bit. got hurt, but it yeah. was.
0: I, I think it was. I think Randy was there. I know for a fact that John Dodd and Boris mm-hmm. were, and it was like there were like six people, right? But we had yeah. a mosh pit. goddammit. it, yeah. Like it, and and. TFW played, and
1: Ad- Adam sang, didn't he? No, uh, originally Martin was the singer of TFW. Okay. Um, later on, they became uh, Gutter Religion, and that's when Adam <sighs> sang, and they had a different bass player. And, oh, thank you. Yeah, Kevin uh, Kevin Whittier was in Gutter Religion for a while, I think, too. I thought Kevin was over on Instagram. No, well, he, he went to college at Western, and he actually played drums for the lawnmowers at our first show. Okay. Oh, we're, we're jumping ahead. (laughs) This is going to be good, but this
0: is important Uh, stuff that we're going to get to because this is fantastic. And somehow this leads to straight edge, but certainly not yet. No, I'll I'll hold off on
1: that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So during this time I become like Randy and I are just inseparable. We're skating. Mm -hmm. I'm staying at his house on weekends all the time. And we start drinking and you were skating and we didn't know you well, but we knew you Mm -hmm. like, and so where Randy lived in a place called Tweed Twenty, and you lived over by Blood El Donovan Park right across the in, street in bellingham yeah. that's a bit of a trek mm-hmm. one night, Randy and I got all shitty drunk <laughs> at, at night, late at yeah. night, and decided that we were going to go to Walcom Falls Park mm-hmm. and I don't even think we had skateboards then I don't think we were on our skateboards, no. but we, we so we were running basically just through neighborhood streets drunk. And eventually we get to I – mean, we didn't even go all the way to Wellcome Falls. But yeah. that was that's just past your house. Mm-hmm. So we end up um, outside your house. And I think we could see you – like we could see a light on in your bedroom or something. Yeah, I was And up. so we yeah. got this idea like, oh, this is where Brett lives. Let's go. Let's go. And then I think we got kind of over to your door or something. We are like, what are we going to knock on his door? <laughs> like What are we doing? Like what – so Randy took off or something and – <laughs> I went to run across your yard, and I either tripped over something or tripped over my own feet. But that's when you looked out the window.
1: Yeah, so I I had been I'd gone to a party that night. This was before I was Straight Edge or anything, and I'd I'd come home, and I was kind of like in you know mopey teenager land. I was drawing in my sketchbook and stuff, listening probably listening to like the Cure or something, and I heard a rock hit my window. Oh. It's like what the hell is that? So I, opened, I I looked out there and just yeah, just in time to see you stumbling across the yard and
0: falling <laughs> and down. Fall in my face yes. in the front yard. Yeah, and I think we looked up and saw you. Or you did you run down to the door or what happened? Yeah, I think
1: I came down and talked to you guys. Yeah, yeah, no, we yeah. definitely talked yeah. to you. And I
0: remember you kind of being like, "What are you doing here?" Yeah, like <laughs> I was
1: probably a little confused. Like okay,
0: I don't. Re- and I remember thinking, we don't know Brett as well as we convinced ourselves we did. <laughs> was like, Mike Lafer thought- up
1: with you too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that sounds right. right. Yeah. right. yeah. Okay. Because yeah.
0: he he was our drinking buddy there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so... It was so the three of you. I remember that. That yeah. makes sense. And yeah. But I remember thinking, like, yeah, we did it. We, we went to Brett's. Like, well, wow, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Brett's our friend. He's cool. Brett's awesome. And, and so we went back to Randy's. And then it was after that. It was just like, you know, Brett's at shows. Brett's at, Brett's skateboarding. You know, Brett's, uh-huh. So, yeah, of, of everyone that kind of remained in my life, you were one of the only people. It's like you and Bill Baker. Mm-hmm pretty much yeah. that yeah. <laughs> ever We're witnessed same. a drunk Dave, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think Bill Baker anyway. Um, so that was, uh, that's a, that's the thing. It's not as exciting. As it, it could be except that, since I haven't had, you know, since I haven't been drunk since the time I was 16 to 44 years old, that is an interesting... It was
1: quite possibly the last time you ever got drunk, was No. No.
0: Okay. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, so, so, the summer before aggression skates, it was most nights. Okay. <laughs> um, you lush. The day I went straight edge, I was kicking a habit.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, I was worried it was becoming a habit. So, okay. So, everyone starts skating. And... It was great, and then everyone's worried about who's a poser. Yeah. There was a brief little while where it's like, "Why oh, he's a poser?" Because he just started. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, he's got a. He still has a. He still has a nose guard on his board. He's a poser. Or,
1: or generally, any like younger kid who came and could skate better than us was a poser. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, fuck those kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, at what point do you start playing music? So, uh, sometime after we saw TFW. Uh Jason Lambert. Well oh, that's right. First mosh pit. Yeah, first mosh pit. <laughs> um Jason Lambert, I think uh he got a guitar from like a family friend. He got like a really nice Les Paul. And call. you'd been friends with Jason because of the breakdancing thing? No, Jason wasn't a breakdancer. I don't remember how he and I I think skateboarding was how he and I started hanging out.
0: Jason Lambert, for the record, mm-hmm. is the quintessential cool dude. He's like, awesome. literally yeah. like at the time could have been he, he could have chosen to be anything he wanted to be. And he chose to be with us. And I always felt like a little bit flattered by that and a little bit, um, like taken back by it. Mm -hmm. Like this guy is, this guy is out of our class. Like he is, he is, (laughs) he's good at stuff. Like he's really good at stuff.
1: He's, he's one of the most positive people I've ever known in my life. Oh, wonderful. I, I was still in touch with him, you know? And, and, uh, he, he and I were musical, collaborators for years i mean up until we yeah. both moved away and uh, he's a really good guy so, yeah and yeah. these
0: days i see incredible pictures that he puts of his kids on facebook yeah are yeah, awesome yep <laughs> one of the best things i've ever seen on facebook is the day he and his kids made nunchucks for all of them <laughs> and to see a bunch yep. of rowdy little kids with homemade nunchucks really filled my heart with joy <laughs> that's someone who's
1: doing parenting right yes yeah <laughs> i can only imagine his house is pretty awesome so yeah
0: <laughs> okay so so um You and Jason start together?
1: Well, so he, um, I remember he had like a little gorilla practice amp. I don't remember what kind of guitar he had at the beginning, but um, I didn't play any instruments. I'd played bass in fifth grade orchestra and I had like a crappy little silver tone bass, you know, but I think my mom sold him at a garage sale and we didn't have a drummer. And uh, so actually, no, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, I was a singer (laughs) because I didn't, couldn't play an instrument. That's how punk rock works, right? You don't have an instrument, you sing. Oh, in the um, lawnmowers. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> Shane uh, Lewis was our bass player. He mm-hmm. he got a bass and started learning how to play. And we didn't have a drummer, so we found this kid um, in Fairhaven. He was in middle school, but he was a punk rocker. He was a skinhead. <laughs> his name was Leaf Brain Damage. Dr. Or, Leaf Brain Damage. I,
0: I, I remember him. <laughs>
1: yep. And we would practice at his parents' house. <laughs> then uh, right before our show, he told us, our first show, he announced to us that he was moving away to India <laughs> with yep. his parents. So. We didn't have a drummer. And that's when Kevin Whittier stepped in. And okay. I think he, I, I i could be wrong. I think he was playing second guitar in got a religion. Huh. But he was also a drummer. And so he's like, I'll play drums for you guys.
0: Well, since I'm going to tell him that his name has been dropped, hopefully he'll yeah. give us a listen and he can, yeah, he can, he can help write in things. and correct things. Yeah. Of anything. Yeah. Now, yeah. what was your first show as Lawnmowers?
1: I am pretty sure that it was at the... Um, there was like a little mini music festival in Mount Vernon. Okay, this is huge. This is huge.
0: Yeah. It, okay. Wait, was yeah. this
1: the? Was there more than one? Well, this was the first one. I, I think there were. Um, I, had, I never attended any. Wood other ones. shock. Yes. They called yep. it. Wood there shock. was a half, huge half pipe there. So was this the one that Diddly Squat was supposed to play? I don't remember them. I remember Collision played, which okay. turned into Swerving Birds later.
0: Nice. And
1: uh, Got a Religion played. And I can't remember if anybody else did. And Lawnmowers played. We, we opened. And I was singing, and it was really embarrassing. <laughs> like, looking back. I know. only remember one lawnmower song. Fuck Truck. Fuck Truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Would you like to tell me the lyrics you sang <laughs> in the song Fuck Truck? Disclaimer, I did not write these lyrics. <laughs> I have to give that honor to Shane. All I remember is drive real far. Drive real near. Pick up some girls. And a case of beer. Yes. Fuck Truck. <laughs> Um, and you, I remember singing it with like such a... feeling at that show. I was on oh, my dude. knees, emoting it.
0: And did you have the long hair? Because you had really long hair. Eventually, that
1: was when I still had long hair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you mm-hmm. were definitely like. And you had, did you have a leather jacket?
1: I actually didn't have leather jacket. I had a suede jacket. <laughs> oh. <okay>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was
0: you, you. You had the visual component to this singer thing down pretty well.
1: I did. Have, I also had a trench coat that I hand drew Agent Orange on. So oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. You
0: you had, a, you had a. A, a, an agent orange trench coat. Yeah, do you wear it? To, I don't remember you wearing the trench
1: coat. I wish I did. I wish I had pictures of it. It was a trench coat. I I had drawn the agent orange logo on it in chalk, and then put spray mount or you know spray fixer on it. Yeah, and uh, that was my my punk rock skateboarder jacket. No, that is great. Yeah. Did you ever wear a beret? No berets
0: here. Nope. You can you can honestly say no beret. <laughs> Not that I can remember. No. no beret with a trench coat. No. Okay. All right. I can't say the same. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I don't know if it was that. I feel like it wasn't that. I feel like we went to that show, and for, however I got down to Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon's basically thirty minutes from Bellingham, and we didn't have cars. We were just kids. Yeah. Somehow I got taken down there. Um, um, and then there Tammy, was
1: a, Tammy Lockman, I think, drove us down in her van.
0: That's what it was. Yep. I, that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was Lachman. like
1: the only one of our friends who really had a car that could fit everybody.
0: Wait a minute. Hold on, I forgot. Tammy Lockman's van is what the song was written after. It might have been, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Tammy, you're out there too. <laughs> yes, was that is. your van? <laughs> Shane is the only one who knows. Shane's the only one who knows <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So that was so that location was cool. And if I remember right, it was like some kind of a Almost like mansion. I mean, to us, it was a mansion. It was a huge house. Yeah. We actually got, you guys played in the front room of that
1: abandoned house. No, we were in like a barn. It was like an outbuilding of some kind. Really? Yeah. I thought I saw you guys inside.
0: My memory Not at is that one. Inside no. that we one. played
1: in, it was like, I remember a concrete floor, pole barn kind of thing.
0: Well, That's because the next one that was the way bigger one that was outside mm-hmm. and there were a bunch of skinheads at it and they oh. stole all my shit and they cut really? up my coat. Like I was got- it like
1: Mike Furness and those guys?
0: Um, it wasn't skinheads I recognized. Oh, okay. But all those guys were assholes. Yeah. I don't know if Mike was an asshole, but he was never that cool. No, he
1: was. Cause we, we, I put on a show at the aftermath hall and he ripped the sink off the wall.
0: Was that the one that first step played? Yeah. I will be putting up pictures of first step. I have oh, from that show, but we're not there yet. Okay. Cause you're, cause you're straight edge at that. And, uh, yeah. All right, so skinheads were causing trouble. Skinheads caused trouble back then.
1: Yeah, they they were pretty much the jerks of the punk rock scene. They were the jerks of the town, really, but yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, and yeah, there was, I'm not going to, I don't, I can't tell some stories without naming names of people that I think are actually kind of cool now mm-hmm. because they were kids. Yeah, yeah that's so, true.
1: And they probably had messed up families and stuff. But know? there was yeah. some skinhead bullshit in Oh, yeah,
0: them. yeah. And you know what? Time has passed. Mm-hmm. I never knew a kid that actually that, that actually thought he was a Nazi. Yeah, but I knew some shitty skinheads. Yeah. Okay. So you guys lose? Does the lawnmowers break up? How does the, the transition to the band we are not going to name yet? How does that transition happen?
1: <laughs> okay. So um, after the singing debacle, <laughs> <it> would <was> shock. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I think that we played one more show. We played like a house party um, some college kids with a band called Bible belt that sounded like scratch acid. And it was also, I think another, um, TFW show or something like that. We opened up and Kevin came and played for us there. That might've been our first show. I can't remember now getting all out of sequence here. Um, fine. Anyways, I'm pretty sure somebody cut the power while we were playing and (laughs) pretended like we blew a circuit. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a school night or something. So we got like two songs in and, (laughs) and we were cut off and then the next band set up. Um, uh, and then the circuits worked. What's that? Yeah, and then magically everything worked great. Um I think basically, you know, realizing we didn't have a drummer, I was like, well, I'll see if I can get some drums and I'll I'll be the drummer. Yeah, Cuz I was like, I don't want to be the singer. This is embarrassing. And uh that's when Matt Glenovich came in no. to sing.
0: No. 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 Oh wait, yeah, we yeah, had so hold on. Because yeah. it even yeah, yeah, gets you're right. it even gets better than this. It was a my first missed opportunity. <laughs> so, you guys are looking for a singer. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And what was his name? The guy that ended up actually Jesus. His, he, he his name was Jesus. That's what he went by. He had a mo- big huge But wasn't mohawk. his name
1: Christian? I think that might have been his real name, yeah. And
0: so he called himself Jesus. Yeah, he did. And he had a mohawk. He looked the look. He looked mm-hmm. the part, right? So, Shane or somebody says, "We're looking for singers." And I was like, "Me." Mm-hmm. Cuz I really wanted to try, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and this is something that I always really appreciate. Shane was like, "Hell yeah, dude. Come come try out." And I was like, "Oh, that's Great. Yeah. So I show up, and he's already there, and he's gonna basically try out too. Oh no! (laughs) And and I remember Shane was kind of like, dude, get the mic, get the mic. He wasn't really like sold, but the one thing that Jesus Christian, the one -hmm. thing that he did was basically just be like, I'm the singer now. Like he owned he owned (laughs) it. Sounds about right. He owned it immediately, Uh and I was so intimidated that I did not try to muscle in or anything because I didn't know even what it would sound like if I yelled into a microphone. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So but I was I remember being at, at I think I might have been Shane's. Do you guys practice at Shane's house?
1: We practiced in his mom's garage, yeah. He, he, mom's his mom's garage. His mom managed those apartments there. Yep. And we practiced in the garage. Yeah.
0: So that was my first but I got I got bit though. I got mm-hmm. bit by the bug of yeah. wanting to, you yeah. know. And uh but so then you guys ended up with this guy for and we, just a little while.
1: We call ourselves the brats at that point. <gasps> you were the brats. Yeah.
0: And then Because we were told there's another
1: band called The Lawnmowers.
0: Okay. Another right. band called The Lawnmowers. You yeah. become the Brats. Yep. It lasts just a little while. Mm-hmm. And then obvious natural singer, gotta be the singer, Matt Glanovich, comes yeah. along. And yeah. with
1: him comes a new name. Yes. And the name is? Filthy McNasty. Filthy
0: McNasty.
1: And the origin of that name is, um, so you, when we were teenagers, the place that you would go to get beer is you'd go to Rawls. And you mm-hmm. would find a homeless person Yep. and they would go bootleg beer for you. They would buy it as long as you bought them some too. Yeah. Or you'd give them a couple extra bucks. Yeah. Or you'd give them a couple extra bucks. Usually they'd steal some of your money anyways. So. Yeah. And, yeah. and
0: I did this many times. <laughs> I did this when I didn't drink. I ended
1: up doing this for friends because yeah. I was
0: the one with the car that was going to be sober all night. So, mm-hmm. of course, they're going to throw everything in the back of my car.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I remember Rawls getting busted by the police on numerous occasions. And
0: But on a Friday night or a Saturday night, mm-hmm. Rawls was like a damn supermarket. It the was, alley was yeah. full of
1: kids and bums mm-hmm. doing clandestine deals. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, I actually wasn't present th- at this, but Chris Sanchez, who's now Chris Horse-, Horse Thief, and a couple other people, I think, were bootlegging, and one of the bums was like, I'll do anything with the girls. I'm Filthy fucking McNasty and and just kind of going off on a tangent and somebody's like you guys should be Filthy McNasty and that was when we changed our name.
0: And everybody was like, "Yep."
1: Yep. I and remember it
0: being one of the who were like, "Of course."
1: And yes. we were we were like, you know, I think at that point we were edging more into the skate rock like Drunk Engines and those bands that were yep. more like kind of rock and roll tales of terror, which is like one of my all-time favorite bands. Yep. Then. And you were playing drums. I was playing drums, yeah. Mm-hmm. That and I shitty drummer (laughs) just like you know i just learned as i went along but
0: nothing was ever recorded so it was just for a long time the thing to do on a weekend the best weekend was mm -hmm. if you guys were playing some party or some thrown together Mm -hmm. something and everyone could just show up and have
1: a mosh pit it was it was a lot of fun that that era was a blast like we played some weird place out in like was it robbie starry's property like way out in the county it was amazing and it was this weird old dance hall that was in the middle of their it was like a it was
0: like a um
1: outdoor dance hall yeah but it was like like someone had melody made it, ranch was that melody a, ranch yeah. is what it
0: was called oh dude you just yeah. pulled that out of that almost hurt coming out <laughs> oh my god and it was outdoors yeah but there was a little covered play area that was mm-hmm. that looked almost like a um uh uh A nativity thing yeah right and then you guys played in there and you guys like a pond you guys had your own there was yeah, there was water and then you guys had uh, your own songs but you also always did She Gots a Gun yep we did by the Drunk Engines Mm -hmm.
1: and I think you guys played Minor Threat we probably did yeah actually I think we did the song Minor Threat right yes yeah. and so
0: because these were were crowd pleasers for people Mm -hmm. and everyone was out there just drunk as hell and there was just Mm -hmm. a big mosh pit the whole time that was a fantastic show
1: that was yeah. That's one I, I have and fond pulled, memories of that.
0: I have fond memories of that, and it pulled out more people. Like these parties also always just had the weirdos because we yeah. started. The weirdos started being satellite weirdos that mm-hmm. didn't skate or weren't. But all weirdos then could come around other yeah. weirdos and kind of become like, oh, okay. There's strange girls smoking cloves, and there's yeah. there's strange guy over there who probably wants to play D and D. But and then
1: like Chuck Troost, who's like. Yep. He was like one of my favorite people in high school. Just such an awesome guy. He would show up. And Absolutely. Like, you know, this is just like, it was fun.
0: Yeah. And at this, so this entire time that we're describing, which basically takes us to, this is just two years. This is freshman and yeah, sophomore year. Yeah. Um, this is prior to any of us having vehicles. Mm-hmm. All of this happens at the time when the jocks just went fucking crazy, hated us. Uh-huh, and yeah. so there was, there was, I mean, this would be the thing where you'd be skating down the street. It was the height of the, you're skating down the street with three friends and the Mustang pulls up and the dudes get out and they want oh, to yeah. fight yep. or they're throwing shit at you and you're dealing with it in the mm-hmm. halls and it's just,
1: it's just a nightmare. Yep. And it was, it well, was. We even had like the burnouts, like the stoners picking on us. Like, um, what was that guy Butch? Was it Butch? <laughs> okay. So this was a, this was
0: what I thought was weird. People, we didn't have a smoke hole. People mm-hmm. just walked across the street from Bellingham high school mm-hmm. and smoked cigarettes in the old, um, what was the parking lot of the old, uh, place that used to be the Raider shack.
1: Thing. Yep. Yep.
0: And there was a little mini Mart and we'd go in and get like suckers and whatever. soda yeah. and stuff. And then people would smoke and the people that wanted to smoke were the stoners, mm-hmm. the metal kids and the punk rockers. Yep. And like the new wave girls. Mm-hmm. And so this group of people, always ended up in the same place. And because it was people with roughly similar ideas wanting to smoke, everybody was mostly cool. But there was always one or two long-haired dudes that had more in common with the jocks that were actually like... They, you know, they were just hicks that Mm -hmm. had long hair that also liked smoking. Maybe they liked some metal, but who are these fucking weirdos with these fucking haircuts? So there'd Mm -hmm. be every once in a while there'd be like a fight, yeah. And then the then the and all of a sudden it would be faggot this, faggot
2: that. You Mm -hmm. look like a
0: fucking clown. It was. I remember thinking, oh, we're not really safe here. Mm -hmm. We're we're a thrown together group of people, but we're not all on the same side. Yeah. But you remember? You probably saw the same fights I saw.
1: I saw. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see a lot of them, but. I just remember walking by there like to get to my car at lunch, and, and that Butch guy, me and Jason were going to go somewhere for lunch, and that Butch guy came up and like shoved Jason. I was like, What's your problem? What,
0: shoved Jason Lambert? Yeah.
1: And Jason, you know, Jason's not much of a fighter either. He's like, he's a pretty peaceful guy. And so we both just kind of brushed it off and and kept going, and he left us alone. But, you know, it was just like, Yeah. There was a lot of that kind of crap that would go on. Oh, my know? God. They would try
0: to draw you into fights. So I have to, uh, since we're talking about fights in our high school time, how how many Shawn Day fights did you witness? I don't think I ever witnessed any you didn't witness any no. were you not behind the I the, might have I, The I Albertsons when one. the dude pulled the knife on him no, no okay yeah um but he so Sean Sean who's probably listening who's i've <laughs> I, I have <laughs> Sean s- lives
1: just up in Longview,
0: oh you're kidding. he you lives close yeah. to here, yeah, um I have sang his praises on Facebook like a lot about this stuff mm-hmm. and because it's absolutely true, Sean became our he never stayed into skateboarding. He mm-hmm. liked the punk rock stuff, but he wasn't down for the skateboarding stuff. But Sean was just this, this monster of a fighter. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. <laughs> and so every time there was some guy that would step out that was going to be the champion jock, Sean would just wait for the opportunity for him to, for him to hear those guys say something to one of his friends in a hall. And, they'd, you know, he'd be, they'd be like, yeah, you want to fight me after school? And he'd be like, nope, right now. And, <laughs> and beat sh- so, like, I saw this happen two or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a really, really brutal fight with him in the cafeteria with this kid Casper. A mm-hmm. fight that should never have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually the only time I ever once I saw anyone get any of the better of him. Like, mm-hmm. land punches and really, like... And I, Sean and I were going to the same class. So I walked to Woodshop with Sean after that fight. Oh, wow. And... Uh, then then was there when they came and took him out of class fighting <laughs> um but that was Sean was our was kind of our champion mm-hmm. and it was cool because very very quickly it was like oh if you fuck with any of them you're fucking with Sean mm-hmm. and that was a and and I was with Sean when like a car would pull over, like, you know, and dudes would get out yeah. and everybody would run, but not Sean. <laughs> and that was a weird thing. Cause all of a sudden these guys were like, Oh, there's a big one. Oh, and he's walking towards <laughs> us now. And I was not there the night when one of them had a golf club. And apparently Sean took the golf club away from him and beat him with it. <laughs> um, Sean. If that didn't happen or if it happened differently, please email in or comment on the nobody knows Facebook page for Brett's episode and set the record straight. <laughs>
1: That's pretty epic sounding, actually.
0: So that was, but see, he was also down with everybody in the smoke hole, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, he, there wouldn't be shit go down if like, you know, Sean was around kind of yeah. thing. And then everybody just, it seemed like everybody chilled out. And very, very quickly, as we got older, the guys that were in the position to be those shitty jocks were just guys that had been to school with us
1: forever. Yeah. You brought up Ryan Parks. Mm-hmm. He ended up being pretty cool. Or Ryan Craig. Or yeah. Ryan Craig. Yeah. Oh, I don't know who was. Fifth grade. Yeah. Ryan Craig and Nathan Braxton were kind of the bullies at Silver Beach. So.
0: Oh, no. But see, I'm thinking of Ryan Park. You remember Ryan Parks? Name sounds familiar, but I don't remember. I can't yeah. place. Well, I'm probably mixing him yeah. up. Yeah. He, like he was like a football player dude, with a Mohawk. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Right. So he, and yeah. he was our age. So it was the crossover uh-huh. was starting to happen. Yeah. And then it's no wonder that it's like a year later, Lollapalooza, after we're out of high school, right? Mm-hmm. Or two mm-hmm. years. So as these guys graduated and got the hell out of our school, things got, you know, easier for us. Yeah. So as we go into, as basically you guys are Filthy McNasty. Yeah. It's awesome. And then some shit went down. (laughs) (laughs) And basically the shit that went down goes like this. I, I only know my timeline on it so you can fill it in. But I opened up a skateboard shop in August of 1987 between sophomore year and junior year of high school on That day that we opened the shop, I decided I was straight edge. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: At the time, I only knew, I didn't know any straight edge people.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, But I had heard someone say they were going to go straight edge for a little while. And I remember thinking, oh, you can do that? But (laughs) but I thought you had to be straight edge for a long time. And I always liked it. And we listened to Minor Threat. And we listened to, I was really into seven seconds. And I was Mm -hmm. But everybody was like, oh, straight edge isn't cool. Didn't know any actual straight-edge people, but I decided I was going to be straight-edge, right? And little did I know that, like, you guys were right there, too. Mm -hmm. So, almost instantly, it's like Dave Longstreth is Mm straight-edge. Now, Brett's straight-edge and Jason's straight-edge. But I don't know what your timeline is. Okay. And I don't know how you got there. Sure. But what ended up – well, so, what ended up happening is – all of a sudden there was a handful of us that were putting X's on our hands Mm -hmm. and real and and looking the part a little more and being a little less punk, a little more straight edge. And that caused a rift in your band. Oh yeah. yeah. And that changed everything and led to the formation of the next band. Yeah. When did you go straight edge and why?
1: Okay. So there, right around that time. I think it was summer and, uh, Jason Lambert and I were kind of into, uh, what's her name? like a really melodic kind of punk rock band that we went to see in Friday Harbor. I have the record somewhere, too. Um, I can't remember their name. Oh, it's a weird one. Yeah. I mean, I was, went with you and ate the bad liquor and got sick. I don't think you were at that show.
0: No? No. Did you go to two shows in Friday Harbor? I think Harbor? it was
1: just me and Jason that went, but maybe not.
0: It wasn't the night we saw the UFO?
1: No, I don't think so. Okay. But, okay. So anyways, um, it's right on the tip of my tongue. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> I'm thinking like Afghan Wigs and Agnostic Front. It was like an A name. It was an A name? Yeah. Look, I can pause and you can grab the record. Yeah, let me go look. I'm going to pause second. it right okay. now.
0: We had to take a quick break to do just a little bit of research. Tell me about this
1: band. Who okay. was this band? Okay, so Jason Lambert and I had discovered Angry Samoans, and we found out that they were coming to Friday Harbor. Right. Um, which, strangely, Friday Harbor had like this all-ages... And you're right, scene. I
0: didn't go with you to that. Yeah. I heard you guys talk about and it. And I
1: think it was just me and Jason. But also who was playing was Youth of Today... We didn't know who they were right. and Brotherhood. And uh, we, we had seen Youth of the Day records in the record store. We thought, oh, that looks kind of cool. So we went down there and, and really Brotherhood played and just kind of blew us away. We no, like this amazed. was
0: John White vocals yeah. Brotherhood. Yep. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Pre-Ron. Pre-Nate too. So Pre-Ron, whoever the, pre-Nate. whoever their first bass player was. Um, I remember just being blown away. Ken Hagel? Did he's probably. Did he play bass been, or play guitar? No, um, Greg was playing guitar. So okay.
0: they didn't have two guitars. I don't think so. Then it was Ken Hagel.
1: Yeah. And uh, I remember being blown away by Vic's drumming because I was a drummer and Vic was just like powerhouse, just mm-hmm. crazy drummer. And uh, so anyways, we got blown away by them and then Youth of the Day played and actually um, Ray didn't sing. Steve. Steve sang okay. because um, Walter had broken his this, leg and a half pipe or something story. like that. Yeah. So the roadie sang, Ray played bass and uh, we were just like taken by this whole youth crew thing you know mm-hmm. the straight edge thing and we were Jason and I were both kind of like good kids like we weren't huge partiers you know we had kind of dabbled in things as part of like kind of peer pressure and whatnot and so for us it's like wow we can like we don't have to do that stuff and we can be responsible and still be punk rock and and I definitely drank with you I mean I've been at, probably yeah at a yeah.
0: party where there was drinking where yeah. you were drinking but it wasn't you were never over the top
1: guy yeah. and my, my mom's probably gonna listen Some, to this and she's gonna be like Cause she, you know, I was, I was always such a good kid. You're for most part.
0: 44 years old. Yeah.
1: Almost 44. And yeah. you haven't
0: had the conversation about what you were really doing in high school. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: I did that a long time ago. Yeah. I I didn't do a whole lot. I mean like I, it was probably a handful of times that I, that I party like actually. No. And I could look, stuff. yeah, look, but, yeah. it
0: made it, it made all the sense in the world yep. that this was a direction you were going to go.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> hi mom. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so um, we came back and we had this renewed like inspiration and sense of urgency, and we were like, "We're going to be a straight edge band." And why wouldn't Matt and Shane want to do this? <laughs> and... Oh, I didn't know you did that. <laughs> but so you
0: guys decided like on the spot that you were also going to be straight edge. Yep. So yeah. you you
1: guys claimed straight edge at the show. I. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I remember we were so like stoked we're on the ride home, on the ride home. I think we were like oh. plotting like, this is what we want to do. This is so awesome. Let me tell you something. Yep. I am jealous of
0: few things. <laughs> I am genuinely jealous. Mm-hmm. I was not in that car.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I remember we talked to, I think Greg, you know, and we talked to like Jason's really outgoing, you know? And so he was like talking to all those guys. Um, I, I even vaguely remember, and Jason can maybe set this straight. I vaguely remember us like telling the guys that we had a band and we were going to turn to straight edge. Like that's, that's like a f- very foggy memory of it. Now yeah.
0: I know the answer to this,
1: but how'd it go over? <laughs> Shane and Matt were not happy because they, first of all, they didn't want to be straight edge. And second, they uh, rightfully felt like we were, you know, kind of being dicks and taking over the band, which, you know, was kind of our band from the first. From the in the first place, Shane was involved, but they were just kind of like, "No, we're not going to do it." And so that left us with having to figure out. Well, didn't you play
0: in that Filthy McNasty configuration a little bit more? Weren't there a couple more shows or something where you you guys were straight edge and they weren't? And there was there was rifts right there. I don't remember specifically
1: if that's what happened. It's quite possible that there was a long there was like a period of things breaking down. That you know, Filthy McNasty isn't exactly a straight edge band name, but. You know. Do you remember a show?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm doing this for a friend.
1: Sure. Do you remember a,
0: a show up at a, a party where Glenevich wasn't there? He hadn't shown up. You guys were supposed to play. And this kid Jeremy sang. Jeremy. Or he, he just didn't... got up and got the mic and started doing some kind of dirty rap or something. Do you remember Jeremy that? who? Collins.
1: Was he a metal kid or?
0: One night... <laughs> when I uh, a story. one night about when I was when I was like 31 years old, uh-huh. right? I'm riding with some people from Seattle down to Gilman Street um in California. Uh-huh. I've I have carpooled with some people. We plan this out on the Northwest hardcore board. I don't really know these guys. I know them from shows, but we've never gone anywhere together or hung out. And we're all going down and there's this Jeremy, everyone calls him Stage Dive. Mm-hmm. And he's just a guy that I've, you know, known from going to shows. For the last couple of years on and off, you know, he dances really hard. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a big dude, like a little bit taller than everybody, you know, more built. So um, we're driving and it's the middle of the night. It's like two in the morning and I'm driving and he's sitting in, in the passenger seat mm-hmm. and we're in the top of California. So we've been in the car together now for Washington and all of Oregon and we've been hanging out and we know each other and all of a sudden he turns to me. And starts talking about like Sherry Lancaster and Filthy McNasty and like high school shit. Uh huh. And I, and I'm, I, I think maybe I'll fall asleep at the wheel. Yeah. And my eyes are going wide and I'm looking at him and I'm like, cause, cause now he's talking about stuff from, from 13 years before. Yeah. And I don't know. He can't know that world. <laughs> we're in seattle what's he talking about yeah. bellingham for right and so i'm looking at him and i'm like what are you what are you saying he's like you have never remembered who i was <laughs> i'm like and he's and so he he's like you don't know you don't remember that i was there yeah and he hung out with like gabe and is uh uh, uh he was like two, dave he was like two years younger than us okay right? So those younger skater kids yeah. that you brought up, he was like their buddy. He was uh-huh. one of those guys. And as he's telling me this, I'm seeing this image of these kids and then this like space where I remember there's probably another kid, but I can't put a face to it. Yeah, Like it's it's gotta be him, right? Uh-huh. But he knows everything. And he had the filthy McNasty story about getting the mic and like being <laughs> really, really filthy, like really dirty and like someone getting like some girls at the party getting super bummed on him. But... <laughs> he's a great friend of mine to this day mm-hmm. and it was insane. Like he told me so much stuff about us. Like, uh-huh. that he and, and and I'm like, how long have you known that, that I didn't know who you were? He goes, Oh, since the first time I saw you a show in Seattle, I've
1: just been waiting for the opportunity. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> goes, I don't remember I, him. Once I, I realized you were never going to remember it. I mean, the only show I can think of where that might've happened might've been one of the shows of Rob's, you know? <laughs>
0: I don't think it was at Rob Isis because it was pretty epic. I feel like there was one that was out, it was a weird one, and it was it was in a part of the the city where we'd never had any shows or parties before that I remember going to. Wasn't the
1: one we played outdoor at Clark's Point, was it?
0: Shit. No, I don't think so. It was someone's house. The generator. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But 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 here's the thing though. That that is is I think it was just that no one was singing anything. He got yeah. fucked around on the mic, yeah. but I wanted yeah. to see if you remembered that because no. that yeah. was something yeah. that was very funny that some, that he pulled on me. There's, that's
1: related to you yeah. guys. There's like a period of filthy filthy nasty stuff. I just don't remember. There's like the stand up <laughs> moments, and, but we played a lot of shows, like more than yeah. There I remember, was some you know?
0: great house shows. So many parties. It was yeah. that was a thing to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, you guys, the band broke up, and you mm-hmm. reformed. Yep. And you reformed as a band called what? First Step. Which... Hey, 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 straight edge people and good friends of mine <laughs> in the band The First Step. <laughs> this is what I've been talking about. <laughs> yeah. This, so this would be 1988. It was either. That's probably about It right. was yeah. late 87 or early 88. Yeah. You guys form um, mm-hmm. First Step. Yep. And you've got Chris playing bass. At the time, did Chris play bass?
1: No, actually, we had um, <laughs> right. Daryl Foste. who who was a Canadian gentleman who was going to college at the time. And, uh, he was straight edge. Well, he was, he was straight. He was a a
0: supporter. Plus we just didn't know the rules. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he was, he was an awesome, he's, I'm still friends with him on Facebook. He's a, he's a writer and he's, he's an awesome guy. He was hilarious. Um, and he, he was in the band for quite a while. And I think he and Jason butted heads a lot. And I think, I think Jason kicked him out at some point. And then that's when Chris started playing bass.
0: Okay, and that makes yeah. sense. But your singer mm-hmm. from the beginning was Dave
1: Longstreth. I think we actually tried a couple people out before, before Longstreth.
0: But you I didn't think... play any shows with anybody, though, did
1: you? No. Um, I'm trying to... I almost feel like Chris Sanchez tried out for vocals at one point.
0: Before, before going Dave. to bass?
1: Yeah. But Dave, yeah, Dave, I think, was our singer from the beginning. Once but what once are,
0: one of the things that I love about Dave Longstreth um, was that he was one of the people who... Um, I loved that whenever I saw him, he was always like, Hey man, like we were old friends mm-hmm. and we didn't know each other very well. No. Um and I remember that he was one of the first people that I told that I was straight edge. Uh-huh. And he got super excited. He was like, I am going straight edge. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like the second person that told me I am straight edge. Yeah. And then it was like right after that, it was like you and Jason, and then it was uh-huh. like Fucking great, and then Chris, and then yeah, it was yeah, it was good. Uh huh. So we had we had a little crew of strange people, and we, we were automatically ostracized by people who had liked this for
1: years. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Because <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? You think yeah. you're better than us? <laughs> <laughs> Even like you know Ryan Baker, who's like one of my another longtime best friend. Like he, back then, he was living with my mom and I, and he was just like, I don't, I just, he was just couldn't understand it. <laughs> it was problematic <laughs> yeah. for yeah. some people. Yeah, but whatever. So. <laughs>
0: It worked out all right. Yeah. So you guys start playing as first step. Yep. And that's when we started kind of getting like a straight edge scene. And then I was in a band that wasn't a straight edge band, unfortunately mm-hmm. called Ad odds. Yes. And because you guys had a practice space, then we could share the practice space yep. with you. Mm-hmm. And it was in that practice space that we tried to put on the show. The brotherhood was going to come and play. And yep. that was part of the way that we connected us to just the Seattle scene. Yeah. That yeah. you guys did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they didn't get a play that night. We talked about this one on the, the yeah. Ron episode. Yeah. But um it was no longer John White singing, it was Ron singing. Yep. And things really started to move once Ron started to be this mover and shaker and started yeah. pulling everything together.
1: And I think we had actually played I think before that we had actually gone down and played at uh in Lenny's basement yeah. in Bremerton with, with, with Brotherhood. More than once it right, was refused twice. for a show who went, went on to become undertow. Um I think we played Lenny's once. I remember my mom drove a two different Flyers, was there? Really? That's the. Thing. I think we had to cancel.
0: Or one. there? Oh, or there was a Seattle show that you guys were supposed to play with them.
1: Is that yeah. what it was? I think there was one show that we had to cancel. Okay, and see,
0: reason. I'm going off the Flyers, and I
1: only saw the one. Yeah, like the we also the played Spokane in the summer too. We went out and played Spokane with um, Brotherhood and Better Off, Better Off. Yeah, yeah, Jason Leon.
0: Yeah. The the if you have the better off seven inch the pictures on the back are from that show are they really yeah and Bill Baker's in the photo
1: I don't think I have the seven inch we'll have to look yeah <laughs> and Bill took some amazing photos of Brotherhood at that show too yes by
0: the way. yeah um so this is cool so so there was a a legitimate straight edge band and then we were we were all trying to do stuff and we had the skateboard shop going and it, it, things came together nicely and then mm-hmm. you guys went in to record a seven inch
1: yeah which so. The guitar store, Man of Music, which was kind of by Jason's house and where Jason took his stuff. The guy that worked there, I think his name was John. He was like a total, he was a butt rocker, but he was awesome. Really cool guy. He knew something about recording. So did he, he Did he own the guy, the store? Um, no, he was just an employee there. Okay. And, but we got, I think Brian Van Cleek got us access to the studio at Fairhaven College. Yes. And John came to help engineer it. And we never finished it. <laughs> I, I don't remember why. Other than maybe we Bill ran out Baker of time.
0: was supposed to put it out. That's right. Bill yeah. Baker stole my name for a record label. Uh-huh. He said he was doing Rated X <laughs> and he was putting on and he announced it and like we had a flyer uh-huh. um and <laughs> and stickers and everything and like uh-huh. In like homemade hooded sweatshirts and all kinds of stuff. (laughs) And I went, God damn it. Cause I had had a a sweatshirt that had said rated X on it for Uh a long time. Like that was my name for my straight edge thing. Uh Um, So I then decided, fine, I'm going to do my own little record label. I'm going to go off on my own excursion. Uh And so that's how (laughs) my record label got its name. Okay. Um, So you you guys were supposed to be, I think you were supposed to do a, a seven inch with bill and a comp song for excursion
1: probably right yeah
0: but nobody else ever i never got any other comp songs from anybody but 1007 so Mm -hmm. i just put out 1007 record here's the thing those tapes of that first step recording Uh have been circulating for years no they're not no no one's heard them the Uh actual reels oh wow because someone every once in a while someone gets this hair that they're gonna they're going to take those things in Uh and mix them and there's gonna they're gonna have this recording they're sitting at my house
1: right now wow some crazy <laughs> they're old yeah i don't know if they are still playable i don't even think we recorded all the tracks or songs like i don't even remember doing vocal tracks or anything like that like we went in one night and did some stuff and
0: but it, no i think it was i think there,
1: there were technical difficulties or something like that there
0: were technical di- technical difficulties but they were worked
1: on other nights I were believe. they okay. i think
0: that that bill and brian really tried to do more stuff and it may be that uh-huh. you went in and did your tracks
1: well, I was a drummer, so yeah, I just had to like do the drum tracks. So, so I yeah. think
0: the belief has always been mm-hmm. that it was a mixing issue. Really? Wow. Look, and it's n- there is no way it's going to sound good. No. <laughs> but it's a piece of history that ex- that is still out there untold. Like, let's say it's almost there, right? Yeah. Someone
1: could fill in the missing parts. <laughs> this is true. Don't you, don't you want it? <laughs> I would be curious to hear it. I do have somewhere. In my pile of cassettes I have like old practice tapes from First Step.
0: Really? Yeah. Any that are listenable that you can
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Well let's I'll get those get up. those up on YouTube. I also have
1: the failure demo somewhere too. So Oh
0: wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So failure is a band you did after First Step.
1: That was um so the summer after we graduated from high school, Jason went away to college and he came back the following summer and we started failure.
0: You're right. And in between that we did a band called Second Nature. Yeah. We and did. I sang, and you played guitar.
1: Mm-hmm. And that was also when I was in Extremity with Bill and Chris.
0: Yep. And Mike Mitchell played drums. Yep. And Marie Coach played bass. Yep. Because we were awesome. And,
1: and Shane.
0: And we, <laughs> Shane was in Extremity. Shane was in Extremity.
1: And Bill sang, and Chris played bass. That's or right. no, I did. I play bass for Extremity. I played bass for Extremity. Yes. And Chris played guitar. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. And
0: those were, our, those were the, so that was the, the, the kind of like the second generation band, like, okay, yeah. we're, let's get away from the high school stuff. And
1: that was like the Bill Garage show era.
0: Yep. You know? And that's, that's cool. when all those, that, so like shelter comes to town, inside out comes to town. Yeah. Uh, the it's,
1: offspring play in Bill's yeah. Garage. State of the Union, the stench. I still have my stench record too, by the way. Nice. From that show. <laughs> yeah. From that show. Salt yeah. hair. Yep. 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 They said it was really rare. It's very progressive <laughs> it for back is. then, actually.
0: <laughs> Definitely, there were, and I lo- what I loved about the. I, I mentioned this before. What I loved about the stench show is that like everybody was like, "What the hell is this?" And there's like one or two dudes that were just like, "Yes," uh-huh. so <laughs> stoked on it, like like uh-huh. snowboarder dudes or something. Yeah, you know, that were just like there to see the stench. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I always I always liked that. Yeah. Um, okay. So we did, there's nothing, I mean, we don't have any recording or anything. Second nature wasn't that great. Whatever. We played a couple shows. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was a thing to do. That was my first band playing guitar too. And I,
1: I remember having such bad writer's
0: block. We know? did a crimp shrine cover. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. And we did a descendants cover. Which descendants song do we call My to? world. That's
1: right. Yeah.
0: forgot about that. And the crimp shrine never sounded right. And mm-hmm. when you moved to Portland after you'd been down there for like a year, I came down and you were like, Dave, and you played, and I think we had Mike with us. Oh. Okay. And you, you got, we played that Crim Shrine song better okay. than the band ever, ever did it. and I was always I like, oh, we should have been like this because I was so in love with the Crim Shrine. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, um, it was a uh, situation, I think.
1: Yep. You're right. Yeah. And then I remember we wrote like a really bad Operation Ivy knockoff song too.
0: Oh, yeah. We had a song that had uh, like, I think you, we were even supposed to say, pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> We were real influenced by Operation Ivy at yeah. the time. We were real influenced by McRad.
1: Oh yeah, probably a little Green Day too, because <laughs> yeah. that was right when I first started getting into Green Day. But also yeah. hardcore and hardcore, yeah. Oh.
0: yeah. So that was we in uh, we practiced in my grandmother's shed.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I remember finding a mouse in a bottle out there at some point or something. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so that that so so there you go. So
1: then you leave. Yeah, I, I um I just kind of got to this point where I was like. Bellingham felt really small and there was all kinds of drama going on. I was like, I'm going to move back to Portland, live with my dad. And funny. I don't remember any that. drama. <laughs> um,
0: So you moved, you moved down to Portland. I didn't know you were escaping drama. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I just felt like I needed a change, I guess. So I moved to Portland because that's where my dad was. It was a good time to leave Bellingham. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I didn't stay much longer.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I moved down to Portland. I met um Seth and Matt Hunter and Matt Moyer and Carrie Voller, and um, they were all in high school still, but they were into the Straight Edge. And Carrie had actually come to a show in Seattle that I had gone to that had Undertow and The Offspring, and um, I think Face First played that too, probably. And uh, and I met him. He, he I got introduced to him through uh, Mark from Undertow, I think. And so when I moved down to Portland, I got in touch with those guys, and we started playing music together. And that, what was that band? Cloudbreak. Cloudbreak. We actually had like three or four bands. We had Cloudbreak, which was the main one. Stonefish, which was uh, had another guy named Kirk in it. Now, these then,
0: bands have recordings.
1: Uh, Cloudbreak has a demo that Kerry put up recently. <laughs> I played drums in that band. And then um, there was also in a band called Red Letter Day with Matt Moyer. We played a
0: show with you, right? A band with, I was in with Bill and Briar and Mike. With Red
1: Letter Day, yeah. Act, no, it was a band. It was um, Bull Goose We played in Longview with you guys. Go we, back,
0: we. Bill and I were in a band called called Crumble and Fragment. And, oh yeah, Cloud Break. Uh, we kept, came, we, came we up and played, played Kelly's in Kelly's garage. garage with you guys. So. Yeah,
1: Yep. And <laughs> Face first played that one too. I think. I think so. It, yeah. Or was it of on Warm Fuzzy? Warm Fuzzy. Yeah,
0: yeah, Warm Fuzzy. It was one of the. Yeah. It was one of the those bands that we all related to. Those guys down yeah. in Seattle. Yeah. Um. Okay. So you guys, thank you for walking down our memory lane of these <laughs> bands. You're gonna be terribly <laughs> interested, but there's a lot of piecing together of people here. But part of what happens is. Brett makes basically starts making bands in Portland. And we didn't really have much connection to people in Portland. And I forgive you, but you sold out.
1: I sold out. How did I sell out? You <laughs> being straight edge. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, when I turned 21, I started drinking beer. <laughs> and it was...
0: It, it was for straight edge people, for people who aren't straight edge who are listening to this, you're like, Oh God, this again, this is so stupid. But for people who are straight edge, you know, that could be a traumatic thing and they would, yeah. but you were the absolutely least impactful sellout of my life. <laughs> yeah. And it was, even at the time I was like, Brett's way too cool of a guy to be mad at. And he's totally not. You were never like, fuck you straight edge. You were always just cool dude. And so I, but I remember the time I had a couple people that were like, fuck that man. You have to be, you have to hate him. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's
1: cool. I kind of remember, like, I, I had guilt over it for a long time. Like, I was kind of afraid to hey, to talk to you guys about it. You know? Good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At a minimum, you owe us that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. I lost my edge. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yeah, I was living in a house with Jen Martinez because she had moved down to Portland. And um, Matt Moyer, who I went on to be in a bunch of bands with. Oh. And uh, his girlfriend, Shelda, who was a crazy hippie. And uh, a guy named John and we lived in that house and I don't know, I turned 21 and I was like, "Eh, I'm going to get a beer and I wasn't like getting drunk all the time, but I was just like, yeah, I like beer. Sure. And like I said, it was just like, kind of like, Oh, that usually doesn't happen that
0: way. Usually Uh it's some kind of dramatic thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you start doing this band called red letter day. Yeah. And I was really excited about Red Letter Day. I mm-hmm. ended up releasing Red Letter Day, one song on a compilation that I did, a yep. cassette compilation called This Is My World. Mm-hmm. I was in a band called Bull Goose Looney yep. with two of the dudes from town Which is an amazing
1: band. I love that band.
0: Thank you for saying that. Yeah. We recorded a demo, and uh-huh. there's some live footage that I'm about to transfer. Um, that I'm, yeah. I The show that we're about to talk about, uh-huh. I have both bands on video at home. Wow. So, uh, recently discovered. Recently oh, wow. rediscovered wow. in Bill Baker's archive. So... Uh-huh. Um, but it's probably not interesting to anyone. The one thing that is interesting about Bull Goose Looney and uh Red Letter Day playing Longview, because we did play that show mm-hmm. together. Oh, also the other guy in Bull Goose Looney, it was the two dudes, it was uh Matt and Chris from ten oh seven and Ken Hagel, who had been in Brotherhood. So that was Bull Goose Looney.
1: Oh, okay. Was he the drummer? He was he played sec- he played guitar. He played did second he? guitar. Oh, okay. No. I, I never made that connection. Yeah.
0: Yes, so it was it was two guitars, me playing mm-hmm. bass poorly, and and yeah, mm-hmm. and Chris playing drums. So, um, we play Longview, and do you remember? It was a, a, there weren't a lot of people to show. It was fun. We had mm-hmm. a good time. Yeah. Do you remember what the people who put on the show told us about the band who had just played there before us?
1: No, I don't. They said. We just had Green Day here. Oh, oh, I do remember that. Yeah.
0: And they wouldn't leave. They said they, they all paired off with different girls at the uh-huh. show and like disappeared into the town. And everyone was like, where the hell did they go? And I guess they like, they were so <laughs> in love with Longview uh-huh. that they wanted to stay. Like they were going to quit being a band. They were gonna, <laughs> we're just going to stay here. And then eventually like someone pulled them to their senses and they left, right? Don't they have a
1: song called Longview?
0: That's my point. Their okay. first big hit is called Longview. That's right. It's named after Can't that. See, I it's never, named
1: after that thing. I don't even remember that. Which that, we weren't really awesome. part of. Yeah. We just
0: heard the story about being yeah. there after, you know. And those people that were put on that show, and they put on this amazing Green Day show, they thought yeah. they were going to have this awesome rock punk rock club, and yeah. then we show up and it's just nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe they should have got better bands.
1: <laughs> I kind of remember our performance being a little like, meh.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. But performances that are meh get a lot better with an excited <laughs> crowd. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So that was that was awesome and then it was right it was shortly after that that you aren't doing Red Letter Day anymore.
1: Yeah, so Chris the drummer. I wanted to put out
0: mm-hmm. a Red Letter Day record.
1: Oh, really? Yes, I was I was
0: concerned about the whole lyrics thing.
1: Yeah, Matt <laughs> Matt didn't wasn't really into lyrics back then, so he would just a lot of times the songs were kind of like different. Random. They were sounds, right? Or whatever no, was he, on his mind actually, at the time. Yeah, they were just kind of random. I don't know if he, if you even actually ever wrote any lyrics down, but yeah. Like uh, I think the song we, we put on your comp, was like sail on happy today. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Which that was a fun song. But, Dutch
0: uh, East expressed interest in wanting to do a record for that band. And I, I don't, told don't them even they remember that. Yeah.
1: You may not have told me that, but yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Um,
0: <laughs> but then so, you guys form another band.
1: Yeah. So Chris and I, Chris, the drummer and I, she and I were kind of like wanting to do more punk rock stuff, like more pop punk And uh, Matt was really like at that point in his life, he was more into like the cure and melodic stuff. And so we kind of were dicks and we kind of kicked him out (laughs) and we went and started uh, what was rake at the time with with Seth and Matt Hunter.
0: You guys were real influenced by rocket from the crypt. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. That was like one of our big influences, but we were also like really into swizz Mm -hmm. and a lot of DC stuff. And
0: uh, Bill and I, both got real excited mm-hmm. bill had just put out the ringworm lp that's right on yeah. incision records mm-hmm. and he immediately decided that he was going to do a subdivision of incision records that was <laughs> going to put out pop sounding music or popier sounding uh-huh. music so he started hodgepodge records that's right a division yeah. of incision and he put out the rake seven inch, yes the stupor seven inch that's correct yeah and i have a dat tape for the Bionic, the Rake Bionic 7-inch that yeah. was supposed to come out on excursion. Oh, yeah. yeah. That did not mm-hmm. because you guys basically, refo- like, it changed to Hutch. Yeah. You guys yeah. changed from Rake to Hutch because there was another band called Rake. Co- yeah, yeah, correct. And said,
1: let's not put out that record. Mm-hmm. Let's do another one. Because mm-hmm. yeah. the recording was a little wonky. Yeah, we had been recording with this guy, Tom. It was really nice, but not... Uh, super competent engineer in terms of getting good sounds you know and the
0: songs are cool though
1: the, you know I, I have a fondness for the songs are fun but <laughs> but yeah yeah um so so yeah we and we'd written some new songs that we liked a lot more i think was also the case
0: and you guys become hutch yeah and all of a sudden you're fucking great
1: we you know we i think all bands get to a point where when they've been playing together long enough and they've done enough shows, they kind of hit their stride and they're in sync. And I think we've gotten to that point because we've been Hutch, working hard. Hutch
0: was supposed to be my jawbreaker. My label. <laughs> Hutch was going to be like and and is. OK, so I ended up putting out a seven inch called The Last Cold I'll Ever Catch yes. um, that was recorded by Clint Werner mm-hmm. from Seaweed. Um, he did a bang-up job on it. There was, was three songs recorded there. Fun
1: experience, yeah.
0: But no, four songs because there was a song on a compilation that I put out yep. that was also recorded that's by right. him. Um, yeah. That's the Kiss the Floor song mm-hmm. that's on the Universal Choking Sign comp. Yep. Um, and then I was super excited for like a – I wanted like an LP. Mm-hmm. And what we ended up doing, you guys ended up recording down there. Yeah. And it was a fiasco. It took a while to get that thing into a listenable mm-hmm. shape. For whatever reason, I'd get these CDs and they'd have like weird like – the speed would be funny on them or there, oh. there was some weird, I would be like, guys, send me a real version of it <laughs> or I'd get a I'd get it on a cassette or whatever. Oh, like, okay. No, I yeah. need to hear what it really sounds like. Yeah. Um, but then we ended up putting out the CD, the, uh, the Jack London hotel. CD. Yep.
1: yep. We recorded that with my friend, Rob, who I still work with now. He, he owns AY recordings and he still nice. has a studio. And at that time he was working as an employee for a big studio down in Wilsonville that went out of business. And, uh, we had to do it nights basically because that's when we could get it for free or cheap and yeah and what and it was cool it's yeah, i love and, it and bill was producer on that he came bill in bill baker and,
0: helped, too, and yeah. there's a if anyone has the hutch jack london ho- hotel cd it's a it's a fantastic cd i know you love it but if you if you listen through all that weird babbling at the end there's a hidden song
1: there is yeah it's called honduras baker does ha- half the vocals yeah, on it yeah it does and it's awesome <laughs> So, so the babbling is kind of a funny story because Mike, our drummer, he he had to work the next day. So he was asleep in the, the, the hangout room and we woke him up and we we're like, Mike, go put a guitar on and, and just do something. And if you know Mike, he's kind of, he's just got a crazy sense of humor. And he was like half asleep and he just gets the guitar and starts rambling. And and Matt, our other guitar player, gets on the drums and starts playing drums. And, you know, just basically like crazy late night stuff. And yeah, it's it, just, but it, it, it turned out we were cracking up like crazy. I'm sure nobody else thinks it's that funny, but yeah. Oh, totally. But so
0: it's just a thing you put at the end of a CD, but I would think people, if you, if you, there's no, there's no, uh, break, there's no song break. So if you don't suffer through it, you don't find this really cool song at the end of it. And it's not listed on the CD despite being awesome. It's called Mm -hmm. Honduras. So what I thought was going to happen, because if you remember the time, all of a sudden the signing wave was happening yeah, and yeah. and the the majors were coming, calling, and mm-hmm. and Warp tour was happening, and people were getting real excited, and bands like Hutch, the reviews you guys started getting on those records mm-hmm. were unreal. Like Mm -hmm. people were excited They, you were like that. You were like Portland, dirty little secret that everyone was about to find (laughs) out about. And I was just like, I remember being a real dick. There Mm -hmm. were phone calls where I would just call you up and just say, tour, go on tour, go (laughs) on tour. And you'd say something like, and I would just wait and go, go on tour. I'm not saying anything else. (laughs) Hang up the phone. Total, total (laughs) asshole. But I just, I needed you guys on tour. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Go out there. This is going to be a thing. But it was already on the downswing. It felt like
1: we, I mean, we were we kind of started to take ourselves we started to take ourselves too seriously. Um, We hired an attorney who was a tremendous douchebag to try and help us, and he tried to be more of a manager. Right. And we had ZZ Records come down and talk to us. That, like, I think we played like the first North by Northwest, which is now Music Fest Northwest, and there were all these people there to see us play. And at that point, people started not getting along, so we're taking it too seriously. So that was kind of the downfall and eventually we just sort of uh I think I think what happened was one person quit the band in protest and then the rest was like eh forget it cuz we weren't having fun anymore so
0: and that's what are you going to do yeah you know yeah. and there was a, there was a br- there was a brief period of time where slow side down and hutch were happening at the same time yep. and it was portland was just on the map it was Powerhouse so good
1: had so many amazing shows like every weekend you could go there and see amazing bands rancid played there yeah, um, I've heard know, that i remember I didn't crazy. get to that show. Yeah, they had like their stagehands like crouched at the side of the, the floor <laughs> where they're playing, waiting for people to get crazy. The tiniest basement, probably smaller than the room yeah. you and I are sitting in the best, right now. bestest on the uh, the heating system ductwork. <laughs> we're all going to have asbestiosis but... Oh Jesus! Wait, no. I... <laughs> it was. It, those were me- really mesothelioma. Yeah, okay. Those stupid ads <laughs> are for me. Huh? Yeah, exactly. It. But um, that was an epic time. I mean, there was a lot of amazing stuff happening then. Um, not only Slow Side Down, there was Ten Four. 4 Yep. Um, God, there were so many good bands in Portland during that time. Um, there was another one that got uh, 30-06? 30-06. There was Rusty Martin, which um, Al from Rusty Martin lived in Portland at that time. He went on to be in um, a pretty big band, and I can't remember their name right now but mike
0: your drummer was in another band called soda jerk which to this day soda is one jerk. of the greatest things i've uh, ever heard in my life from
1: eugene and they actually he was in the band shortly after i think sarah their drummer went away to college or something like that but i have their demo i, I actually got in touch with their guitar player and he sent me like a cd of all their stuff and it's still amazing it's like super chunk with a female singer Just it's, like so it's no I,
0: I still I still find myself humming something and not knowing what it is yeah. and it's that soda jerk and I have a, a crappy cassette tape so mm-hmm. you now have a job yes. is to get me the soda jerk stuff I will provide it to you I wanted to put that
1: out so bad I was
0: desperate yeah. to put
1: that out they were I, they're still like one of my favorite bands and Olivia she lives in Seattle now and um, she's on Facebook oh. she, she does some music stuff still
0: hey okay so once again Thank you, everyone, for going down this bit of
2: <laughs>
1: this bit of memory lane with us. But what happens after that? After Hutch? Yeah. So um, I took some time off. I was going to school for graphic design and was just not really interested in being in a band. But then um, Matt Moyer, who had been in Red Letter Day with, contacts me out of the blue. And he's like, oh, I heard you're not in Hutch anymore. And I've got this band. And we've been having a hard time finding a guitar player. And I think you'd, you're the only person who's really going to get it. And it turned out to be Failtaker, which right. was... Um, A very Drive Like Jehu influenced kind of math rock band. And so um, I went and tried out and we kind of clicked. And so I had fun and we played together for maybe a year. Recorded an album that never got put out. And then um, I left to join Zero State, which was a band with Seth from Hutch, who's now in Rabbits. And uh, Mark Burden played drums. And then Eric Schlosser, who was in Slow Side Down, played bass. And that was more like post-hardcore kind of. Rock and stuff and mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun too but then um mark the drummer quit and he was kind of like the foundation of our band right we played our last show in seattle which was just a disaster we oh. opened for botch and uh blood brothers and uh my equipment kept failing wait where which velvet elvis okay that was our last show and uh yeah it was awful but <laughs> it, i remember because there was kind of a buzz about zero state up in seattle and and people were really excited about it but we just kind of we kind of shit the bed. At that it just, show. It just <laughs> fell apart. Yeah, it did. Yep. And so I, you know, Now,
0: repressed memories are coming out now because I was at that show. Yeah, yeah. I definitely saw Blood Brothers at the Velvet Elvis. Yeah. Now I'm remembering something about unhappy people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Ooh. to start off, I hadn't, I hadn't been with the guys to load up gear, and they left my box with all my pedals and cables behind. So I had to borrow stuff, and then my guitar it wasn't working, and then I borrowed a guitar from the guy in Blood Brothers and that didn't work and so i stopped playing guitar and then we were trying to figure it out and i think it was meg who booked shows there mm-hmm. she got all pissed and she's like you guys gonna need to play a song get off the stage <laughs> so we we're just like thank you good night <laughs> Oh it. God! <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty pretty awful experience but sorry but see it it's
0: important that we can laugh about them now or that exactly. i can laugh and you can suffer yeah I'm yeah
1: exactly <laughs> I I also I have uh, I have Bandcamp pages for all this stuff too. That yeah, I remember I you put a bunch you. of this yeah. stuff
0: up um, a few yeah. years ago, and it was great. And some of it I'm like, oh, this is the first time I've heard this stuff. Yeah. I know we've talked about it, I just never got a chance to. Mm-hmm. I was up here, and you were down, yeah, down, yeah. still making Portland happen, which was cool. Yeah,
1: um, and then, let's, I don't know. I was in a couple other bands, uh, Reduction Method, which was really math rocky, and then uh, Bear Fighter. That's right. My God, just screamy hardcore stuff. Yeah, and then you know,
0: then there was a long period of time where we didn't really hear from each other much I mean yeah. I hear from you every now and then but everyone everyone grew up and did things like get married and have families mm-hmm. and, and get real jobs and all that sort of yeah. thing um, and then not too long ago I hear this awesome band called Larrabee <laughs> yeah named after yeah. a place I knew from my childhood yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm, I got a great t-shirt from this band called Larrabee uh-huh. Um, and I know that is that your most recent musical pro- project? yeah
1: yeah that is and that was with my um my girlfriend at the time, Sarah, and we, uh, we started out collaborating on music and then it kind of morphed into Larrabee, which was started out being really dreamy, kind of, uh, shoegazy stuff. And then we got a bass player and a drummer and it turned into more kind of power pop stuff. And, uh, yeah. And we're kind of, I think we've kind of, the band's kind of fizzled out now, but, but you don't know for sure. Don't know for sure at this point where it's going to go. But you see yeah. that, this
0: is something I kind of like about, about where, where you're at is that I don't believe for a minute. That we, we basically just did a nearly unbroken string of musical projects from you from uh-huh. the time you're like 15 years old. Yeah. With maybe a little bit of time where you weren't doing as much when you had mm-hmm. young kids. Yeah. But even that couldn't keep you away.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You'll do more. I will.
1: and uh, I've been There's, t- there's I've-
0: instruments all over this house. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and recording gear and all that yeah yeah I've been trying to to, to kind of snare Bill into doing something and, he mentioned it yeah and, it's
0: in your blood it's in uh-huh. his do it yeah
1: and I I'm actually now that I've got more free time I'm hoping to get a band going together but I'm taking my time and figure something out so they'll be I yeah.
0: wish I, I I almost wish I had a record label
1: <laughs> me too yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's other stuff would you like people to know before we call this a day and I make the long trek back up the freeway to Seattle? Uh,
1: I'm not sure I have much else uh, that I need to be sharing with people, but uh, I do appreciate you thinking of me and, and, and taking the time to do this. No, I, look, it's like, an important part of yeah. the
0: history, man. You, yeah. you, you play a part in the formation of the Bellingham hardcore scene, mm-hmm. which is where a lot of this stuff comes out of. Yeah. Every show that was there. You were the straight edge band in Bellingham and you connected – brotherhood to us Mm -hmm. and without that connection to ron ultimately so much stuff doesn't happen because he just like blows the whole thing wide open yeah yeah um yeah there's i know when i when i asked you to do this you were like why no (laughs) because because man no to me to me you are and if someone didn't find this interesting well you know listen next week whatever shut up
1: yeah (laughs) those you know I, i will say this those formative years in bellingham are pretty dear to me and like they have a lot to do with who I am today, you know, and how I think about the world. And, uh, I would say punk rock and playing music all these years has really like, without that, I I probably wouldn't be here because you know, it's saved me in a lot of ways. So
0: yeah. the punk rock saved me. Yeah. Yeah. And you still, so at, you said almost 44. Yeah. You don't feel that that's, I've heard a lot of older dudes kind of pishaw that idea now. Like it's a little bit, that's a passe old thing. That's the thing you say in your thirties. Yeah but but you still feel it
1: yeah i i i didn't have anywhere else to fit in that was like the only place where i really i think it sounds cliche but that's like the only place where i really fit in um um i've made many dear friends who i still am in touch with to the day. yourself and thank you you know through all of this it's just been um i'm grateful for it so yeah
0: all right well i predict the project with you and bill is going to be the best thing yet
1: i hope so i don't know we'll see what happens all right thanks for doing this man sure thank you appreciate it Mm
0: there you are one more episode in the can i was really worried about sound quality on this but when listening back to it i kind of liked the stuff in the background i don't know i dug the cars going by and being able to hear the planes hope that wasn't too annoying to people but it just sounded a lot different than what i get in the studio and by studio i mean the room full of junk in my house it it was kind of it's kind of refreshing i enjoyed it so uh I hope you did, too. I hope you enjoyed that little walk down uh, memory lane. A lot of Bellingham background there. Uh, As far as uh, corrections go, I do have something. Um, Well, it's not a correction. I mentioned it. Uh, Schneider, the character Schneider from TV. And I could not remember the name of the sitcom. The sitcom that had Valerie Bertinelli on it. That show was called One Day at a Time. And it ran for nine seasons from 1975 to 1984. That's serious, that's a lot of time on TV I should have remembered it but All I really remember is that the chick married Eddie Van Halen And they did a bunch of movies of the week later On like Lifetime Channel or something And, uh, and that, you know, Schneider had the sleeveless jacket and keys And uh, at some point, when you started referencing Schneider People stopped knowing what you were talking about um, And that's because the show hasn't been on TV for 30 years I'm old. Okay, with that, that's basically the last correction. I'm just going to say please go to the Facebook page for Nobody's Knows. Um, It's facebook.com slash nosynobody and uh, like it and then follow us on Twitter at nosynobody. And if you're listening to these episodes on an app, if you're listening to them on just right off iTunes, or if you're, you know, listening to them on some link, you know, on some message board, Definitely go to www.nobodiesknows.com and check out the page that is associated with each episode. For each episode, I'm putting links, I'm putting pictures, artwork, sometimes incriminating and hilarious stuff from years and years and years, things I have collected. And as I go through it, I find things related to these people I'm talking to and I put them up and it can be a lot of fun. So check that stuff out. A lot of times there's some really great photos of them. Sometimes there's some really good photos of their bands, artwork that they did for releases for excursion, maybe stuff we didn't use. Um, sometimes just hanging out photos, you know, pictures when we were kids, all kinds of stuff. So check it out. You know, it's I'm, I'm doing all the work to put it up there for a reason. I'd like you to see it. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Till the next episode, thank you all. This podcast is a product of the Nobody's Knows Podcast Network. Executive Producers David R. Larson and K. Drake-Streetman. Music for this episode provided by Polymorph from the record Artifacts, Demos, and Debris.